All right, guys, welcome to episode 59 of the Movie Schmovie podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'm Steve. I'm Ronald. That was Ronald. Yep. And, and I'm John. There you go. And we are the movie, movie, movie podcast movie guys. I guess there's nothing cool about boys. us. Yeah, yeah there's the movie guys. Just I don't kind know. of together and nothing special about us, but something yeah. very special about this episode. Oh man, this has been a year in the making, <laughs> literally, literally a year in the making. It has been, and probably one of the most stressful episodes that we ever discuss and yeah. or plan for. In as much as this this show can give us any kind of stress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong; it's all fun. Yeah, but the top ten list of the year is. Very important to me. It's I ask my friends for their lists. Mm-hmm. I ask my parents for their lists. I'm very weird about wanting to know what movies people enjoy well, throughout I, the year. I don't. I have a hard time picking favorite. I, what I I feel like I used to always have like my top three of this and my top five of that, and then it got to a point where I realized those lists were like more sentimental than they were accurate, right. and a lot of times something sure. you just saw was actually better to you than anything you'd ever seen or something, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so, to me, the act of making a list. Is is it was tough because well you know the last time you asked me to make a list of five I brought in a list of like twenty three or something so <laughs> it was tough for me to get it down not just because I'm indecisive and because I I can kind of see the good in a lot of different things but also because um, there were a lot of really good movies this there year were. There so were. like a lot of movies that I would have thought uh, when I first saw them they would definitely be in my top ten it turned out a lot of those got pushed back by stuff I mean I was watching yeah. movies as recently as a couple of days ago that were knocking things out so. Well, I, I'm actually quite anxious to see what films you're oh, yeah. I'm referring to, John. <laughs> so I guess before we start the countdown, we should rattle off the honorable mentions before. Yes. So the, the movies we, that, that we couldn't fit on a top ten. Yeah. That that still are in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls, but we just don't want to include it. And forever in our Netflix queues or yeah. our media center libraries. Yeah, we definitely need to <laughs> rattle those off. So, John, you go first. My also rans. This would be my ghost. I'll just quickly say the names of ten films. I'm not going to dwell. Right. Do it. But these are the movies that, and several of these were in the top ten. Uh, right. At one point. At one point, and then guess what? All of a sudden, one day, they weren't there anymore. The world shook. They, the world shook. The list changed. Um, Brave, Bernie, Wreck It Ralph, Beasts of the Southern Wild, Lincoln, Argo, Looper. The Hobbit, Prometheus, and Dark Knight Rises. Mind blown. Yes. Mind blown. Wow, John. Oh. <laughs> those were all pretty good movies. Wow. Yeah. Those were all great movies, <laughs> some might say. Yep. Some in this room may even say that they were pretty great. Right. Oh. What do you got, Ronald? Fuck. All right. Uh, Salmon in the Yemen. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. I'm kidding. Go, go. <laughs> yeah. Like the Hollywood salmon, Farm Press. Salmon fishing in the Yemen? Yes, that's what it is. He doesn't even know the name of the movie. <laughs> I think, think you watched something different. <laughs> I think he, I think he was, was, it a, was it one of your pornos? Was it an animated film? <laughs> it sounded like a porn. Is it a foreign film? Yeah. Salmon in the Yemen. Subtitled? Yemen in the Salmon. Yeah. Uh, Sleepless Night, the foreign movie. I told you about Headhunters, another foreign movie. Argo, Intouchables, Oslo, August 31st. Looper. I like to say Looper like a Hispanic gangster because there were a lot of those in that movie. Because we haven't offended them yet. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph and Prometheus. That's it. Wow. Salmon fishing in the Yemen. (laughs) I never realized that that's a tongue twister before. I just feel like it was, I feel like I react to you saying it the same way I react when the Golden Globes announced that like Ewan McGregor was nominated for uh, an award for that and, and the film was nominated for like best... Trauma or something. You didn't like it? 
No, not really. I thought you liked it. I, was, I mean, I would say I probably liked the movie, but to, to have was... a comp, to even have it mentioned in our special episode, <laughs> never would I have ever <laughs> thought that. God. Uh, were there any, oh no guy what's up John I was just gonna say well I'll wait, I'll wait. Go no guy what's your question John it's gonna come after <laughs> your list <laughs> all right so my list of almost made it uh, I have the raid redemption I have hysteria okay Do you remember that one Ronald oh man the British film yeah you just you forgot it didn't you holy you just, shit you forgot, I forgot it about that movie uh, the loved ones Bernie Wreck It Ralph the Avengers End of Watch. Uh, Seven Psychopaths, Lincoln, and West of Memphis. Mm. I'm I'm really glad you didn't put Avengers on your top ten. Are you really? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad too. I'm very happy with. I don't my think list. there's anything wrong with the movie. I'm just um, I'm just glad yeah. you, it leaves space for more movies that I that does, I. Does that mean you're going to be sad when you find out I did put it on my top? <laughs> Wait, I think <laughs> I, was that was that nine or ten? I think I may have left one off. You put one on your, one, you put two. it on your top ten. Avengers. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh okay. It's like Ronald thinks less of me now. All of a no. sudden, did you see his eyes? He died no, inside. No, I'm I'm curious to see the order of this now. I said, did I say what was the last two things I said? You said Avengers. No, no, I said Lincoln and West of Memphis, right? Yeah. Okay. Lincoln, Lincoln. I, I did miss one. Lincoln is in your mention. Oh, it's in my mentions. I'm so, I'm the one that I did not name right now. is Skyfall. Oh. oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I somehow skipped. That. I wanted to put that in my. That would have been number twenty one, but I didn't. Yeah, no. I, yeah. Well, I, were there any movies you didn't see? That's what I was going to ask. That's oh, a great man. point. Yeah, let's kind of get that out of the way. We should have done that before, but good catch. I didn't get to see Life of Pi. Neither did I. Me either. I really wanted to see I really that. Wanted to see that. Um, there was still a few documentaries that I really wanted to see. West of mentions West of Men- Memphis being one of my mentions. Like I, I love documentaries. And the one that I continue to hear about all year that I still didn't get to see was Searching for Sugar Man, mm-hmm. which a lot of people that I have much faith in their taste in film, like all told me was great. So um, I still need to see that. Um, I also I wanted to check out Cloud Atlas just just because of for the ambition of it all. I yeah. mean, I haven't heard anything amazing about it, but I didn't see The Master, um, which oh, I know is an man. insult to the both of you. <laughs> and you uh, there was one other doc that I didn't see called. Uh, the house I live in mm. about the prison system, which mm-hmm. I've heard was incredible. But yeah. that would be my Very regrets for not seeing this year, which I apologize for. My unseens were that, and you know, specifically the ones that I think could have edged on sure. my list sure. would have been uh, West of Memphis, Seven Psychopaths, Compliance, uh, The Impossible, Holy Motors, and Amour. I never did get around to seeing Oh, yeah, those, okay. I didn't see that either. So we'll be revising these lists. We'll do an updated list yeah, in a month or so. Yeah, halfway through 2013, we'll come right. out with our new list yeah. for 2012. Ronald, we'll call- did you, was there anything that you didn't get to see um, that you were regretting? Pretty much everything you named. Yeah. Seriously, uh, it's, it's, it's everything you've named. Um, trying to think of another one. No, I think that's This has got to be a really good episode. People are sitting there going, it was really great oh, when those, when those three guys started just listing every, movies. Everything you said and then stand-up guys. I okay. want to see that. Oh, I just yeah, never, you mentioned that to me. Super-duper limited distribution. I don't know what happened with that movie. But, um, yeah. And also in my honorable mention, I don't know if I put this, but um, uh, safety not guaranteed, which mm. which went from my top ten until I saw something that took its slot. Okay. Okay. So. so did you do that? Did you have like 
a working well like if you for instance had a romantic comedy mm-hmm. and then you saw another romantic comedy that you liked would you say well that now takes the slot of the romantic comedy that was on my list yes. or would you yes. just sort of junk yes. like for me it just every time a new one would get in there it would just shift everything around i tried not to yeah i would i, I approach it the same way you did John. but every now yeah. and then you would sort of say i can't have these two movies both on here if this movie's not on here you know you try to try I've to been, spread it out i've been building this list for about six months <laughs> yeah, yeah th- parts of it, parts of it. At least he's a- so proud of it with his phone yeah. in his hand. Yeah. I'm, pre- I'm pretty proud of this list right the here, tenth, guys. The tenth one. Well, anytime someone refers be. to building a list, you know yeah, they yeah. really put some thought into it. <laughs> okay, so I guess we're gonna name our tenth. We'll go with number ten. Yeah. We're gonna, well, actually, are we gonna go ten? We're gonna each go through our six through ten, or are we gonna rotate? What, do you, what would you? I think we should rotate. rotate. Okay, good. Okay. Number ten, go, Ronald. My number ten is "Sound of My Voice." Oh, I'm supposed to say lack of any noise right yeah, there. Yeah, right. Very appropriate. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was. That a was power- very. Taking the sound that was really conceptual. Voice. Powerful movie, immersive. I thought that it was just an intense ride, and I, I loved it all the way through. The ending was weird, mm-hmm. um, but it, you know, I, I was expecting it to be weird because the tone of the whole movie was kind of jarring, and I really enjoyed that. So, cool. I uh, got number ten for me as uh, Beast of the Southern Wild. Just narrowly made it in there. Um, this was a surprise film that got nominated at the Oscars this year, in my opinion, for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you guys saw it before me. I saw it a little later in the year, but just completely wow. You saw it when it was so played out. Yeah, Steve. I was like, I was at the back end of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it just completely blew me away. The, the young actress and even the, the guy that plays her father, just very tender and super emotional at times. It's a great film and a, a great first feature film by director Ben Zeitlin and kind of anxious to see what he does next. My number 10 is, I've already spoiled it, it's the Avengers. Hey! Um, I, had to give, I had to give credit to this movie for just, it, it delivered some of those goosebump moments that mm-hmm. I felt like, I remember when I sat down to watch Phantom Menace and I was betrayed. I remember when I sat down to watch Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and I was betrayed. Mm-hmm. And and this was, uh, I don't know, it was, it was just an example of something where it hit that geek sweet spot of paying yeah. a lot of respect to this mythology and representing this whole new way of kind of culminating this story. Like that sure. was sort of an experiment that they we were talking about it before we started. That yeah. at the end of Iron Man, this hint of all these things to come. And not if all the movies that they've done, that's not like they've all been great films. But the Avengers really was sort of a uh, the first time anyone had gotten that kind of epic superhero story with a whole team of developed characters that yeah. right. And also, if you were a person that had been following Joss Whedon through Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel and Firefly and sure. the Serenity film and stuff, it was it was great to see kind of a vindication that not only did they give him a chance to write and direct it, but he knocked it completely out of the park. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, if there's a guy who I'm sort of pleased to say he now has carte blanche to do whatever he wants in Hollywood, I'm really glad that Joss Whedon is, sure. is up yeah. there. So no, love the Avengers. Yeah, I love stuff. it too. And it, it almost didn't end up on my list for the very reason that it's such a popcorn film. But I think that if I'm really thinking about movies, yeah. the, the movies that I put in my top 10 are all movies that sort of left a mark in some mm-hmm. way. And this one, I just, it edged out a lot of other really cool movies just because I felt something kind of, you know, that inner 10 year old really enjoyed the sure. crap out of this movie. So cool. Um, Number nine. End of Watch. Why are you so sad about it? I know, you're so upset. It makes me feel so weird. End of Watch is my number nine. Uh, number nine? Number. Number nine. One of, it's one of the more intense movies that I've seen this year. Um, I think to to take the little found footage approach to 
a, a cop movie just worked really well. I didn't think it would, and it just worked really well. Felt real, felt authentic. I love specifically West Coast cop movies and shows. Southland, so, yeah, I say Southland. Yeah, just and me of any it. any cop movie in L.A. <clears throat> um, that one that Cuba Gooding did was actually pretty solid too. The one that Cuba Gooding, yeah, did I know the with, one you're talking about. Yeah, I what it's with called. Eva Longoria. Yeah. Um, so yeah, End of Watch was really good. So cool. Uh, my number nine is my popcorn entry, I guess, for the the top ten, and that's I went the other way. I went with Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was a little more drawn to it just because I feel like I had just was way more vested in in those characters. Um, not the biggest comic book person, but and I know enough to be dangerous. And like I don't know, I guess I'm just more into the Batman universe than I am so much with the the Avenger world. Don't get me wrong, I love the Avengers as well. Um, I just felt like the culmination of the series, while it was while it has its flaws, um, I still was willing to go with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought the way that it kind of wrapped up really satisfied me. And uh, for all parties involved, I think what Christopher Nolan did with the series was mm. pretty incredible and uh, just a great way to go out. You know, So I had a lot of fun watching that at the theaters and just like my popcorn movie, I think, of the year. All right. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises. My number nine... Is Moonrise Kingdom. Um, I think a lot of people, there's a lot of inexplicable hate for Wes Anderson. For some reason, people feel like if they don't they don't like him, they they have to sound off about it, or they think it's all just for hipsters or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but so I felt there was a lot of backlash <clears throat> against this movie before I ever saw it, and I was sort of uh, thinking, okay, maybe it's not one of his better efforts. But when I went to go see it, it's like there definitely are some. There's some elements in this movie that are not completely on target, but the elements that connect are so just emotionally resonant. The way that it depicted all these adults that were dealing with all the sadness in their own life and kind of flailing against their own sadness. And meanwhile, in the same houses, the kids are going through their own confusion and kind of trying to make their way in the world. And they show the way like the world of the adults and the kids kind of mirrors each other, but the kids' stories are a little more full of hope and the adults' stories are a little more full of like choices they've made and how they everyone has to pay for it. And um, I thought Bruce Willis was really, really great, really memorable in that. Um, and I thought, you know, it's no big surprise when Bill Murray shows up and 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 manages to wring something out of it. But this this character was so the Bill Murray character was so sad inside. I don't know. I just found I just thought it was such a melancholy movie that was that was balanced by these really whimsical elements. And it seemed like to me it was a real aesthetic statement for for uh, Wes Anderson, you know, he's always done well with kids. Um, I thought the kids were well cast. And I really love the fact that it was shot on 16 millimeter. I think like the warmth and the kind of smudginess of it really did make me think of like youth and, and times gone by. And I don't know, it just, it had a sort of overall magical effect. So Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom. Right on. My number eight, Moonrise Kingdom. There you go. <laughs> Very, very close on the list for the exact same reasons. It just, it just, it just was one of those movies I saw and it really sat well with me. It just felt like the the elements of my childhood that I loved. It felt like that, so I, I loved it. Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, it's a movie that only he could have made too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Cool, cool. My number eight is Django Unchained. Um, I thought that this maybe would have made itself higher on my list, but I don't know, after rewatching some other films and again, maybe seeing it after you guys saw it, maybe Mm -hmm. I I got to maybe a little built up a bit in Mm -hmm. my eye, but I'm still a really big fan of it. I mean, I think what he does well, he does super well. And what Quentin Tarantino is known for 
and what he's done with you know this film and even with Inglorious Bastards, where he just takes this pivotal piece of history, controversial piece of history, and kind of lets it be a part of the yarn for the story that he's trying to tell. I think he does very well, and mm-hmm. I mean, um, I think he's gotten a lot of acknowledgement for the film beyond the controversy of its content, which is justified. But mm-hmm. I think it just is a really fun film. I think there's a moment where I, you know, I kind of felt maybe. It was going a little too long at, at moments, but I feel like every film that came out at the end of the year kind of has that length in its back pocket. Mm-hmm. But um, Jamie Foxx is great. Christoph Waltz is amazing. I mean, I'm super happy to have seen him win that Golden Globe. I'm very curious now to see how the Best Supporting Actor race heats up at the Oscars this year. But um, yeah, man, just like really great. I love the buddy chemistry between them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I mean, I can't say anything without mentioning Leo DiCaprio. <sighs> I mean, I can't. I, I'm bummed that he didn't get a nomination. I mean, it's a blast seeing him not playing such a serious role and right. like just kind of cutting loose and just going like fucking crazy at a moment, like at the at the scene when they're having dinner. I mean, one of my favorite scenes in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Django was a blast, and can't wait to see what he has coming up next. Cool. My number eight is the Queen of Versailles. Um, this documentary was uh, funny. At times and shocking at other times of the ex at the excess of this lifestyle that we're seeing unfold, um, and it was I think we've discussed this aspect of it before. I, I hadn't seen it when you were talking yeah. about it, but um, it's the way the documentarians were around. They were shooting a documentary about this wealthy family that was building the biggest house I'm in America, sure, yeah. um, and then that you know basically when all the banks failed. Um, and all this theoretical money that this guy was playing with, the way that his, you know, he, every, this guy was constantly working really hard, but uh, every dollar was spent chasing potential future dollars. And so when all this kind of money that was tied up disappeared, you see that all the wealth was completely virtual. And here was a guy who had built this amazing giant life, but really there's no indication that he ever really enjoys his life. Yeah. The, the, the kids kind of running wild, uh, you know, forgetting about their pet lizard and it just dies in the aquarium. I mean, there are all these crazy things that are just shocking. And it's, and, and the characters are sort of relatable. I thought the wife was, you know, kind of definitely more likable than the husband, but oh, still in the, yeah. still in the end, uh, there's a certain amount of like, I know it's a mixture of sympathy and schadenfreude when you, when you watch that story, like seeing them kind of get the comeuppance of this opulent lifestyle, um, is, is a little hard to watch, but there is a sort of maybe, sick pleasure in the back of your mind at seeing that, okay, well, at least the people at this level were paying for this lifestyle, just like everyone on the bottom when all the, all the banks went belly up. So mm. no, in that sense, I thought it was really fascinating. And I, th- I think that it's a movie that people will probably come back to uh, as time goes by because it is such a picture of oh, a particular time. And I think that what it does is it takes those stories that were in the news. Um, I don't know if you saw that documentary years ago called The Smartest Guys in the Room yeah. about the Enron scandal. Enron, yeah. That was something that did the same thing, something you heard about in the news and kind of understood, and then a documentary comes along and sort of puts a human face on it so that you can actually understand what went down. Great documentary. Uh, number seven, The Master. Um, <laughs> I feel an overall lack of enthusiasm. Right now. <laughs> oh, man, it seems kind of... I feel like I feel like taking all these movies that I've seen and then reducing my favorites to a, a ten just makes it makes me want to take a double down shit, just a big old steamy wet. <laughs> you shit. know what? We can take a break. No, fine. Do you need the bathroom right behind <laughs> you? Fuck! It makes me nervous. Okay, so the master. I chose that because Philip Seymour Hoffman and. Um, 
Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> Very intense exchanges. Come back to us, Ronald. Right. So so the reason why this didn't get higher than that was because because of just how intense it was and how uncomfortable the whole movie was. I don't know if I, it warrants making it that high up just because of I didn't have a second to enjoy it as much as I wanted to just because mm-hmm. it was a real it I mean it was supposed to be like that. It yeah. just felt very like oh this is like revolutionary road just the way that was. It was just like a hour and a half of intense argument. Yeah. Just this kind of tug of power between two men that are both equal in charisma but very different ways of expressing mm-hmm. that 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 charisma, whatever it is, it they, it came from very different places, and and seeing two people that were kind of dominating portions of each other's lives, kind of you know mm-hmm. fight in the end in the way that they did, it was it was really good. So still, and Steve can't. Can't confirm or deny on that. I have no input on this. <laughs> it's one of my mi- the myths, the lost children of 2012 for me. You know that that movie, Masters of the Universe. Yeah, it's kind of like that. I'm oh, a big man. fan of that. Except there's just one oh, small one. difference. The Dolph Lundgren's not in it. Yeah, is that what it is? Dolph Lundgren ups the ante of every movie. Let me tell you what. What I'll tell he you what, boy. What? I'm sure that's not true about Dolph Lundgren. Uh, speak for yourself, John. Yeah, well, I'd All have right. to see a list of his films to be sure. But you obviously haven't seen The Expendables. Uh, You're right. One either and one. two. You're he's right. in, he's yeah. in both of them. Stop right there. I haven't seen either one. <laughs> All right, my number seven is um, I wouldn't say a wild card, but a lot of people, oddly enough, when I talk about this film, haven't seen it yet. It's because it's the movie that comes out earlier in the year that most people forget about, and this is uh, Joe Carnahan's The Gray, which um, I am an absolute in love with uh liam neeson's in the film uh dermot dermot mulroney dallas roberts i believe it's dermot mulroney dermot dermot mulroney yeah okay sounds like a made-up name though so just call him i'll go with it just call him dm um, but yeah the just gray call him dylan mcdermott <laughs> dylan mcdermott <laughs> i think they're the same person actually yeah. <laughs> um but yeah the gray i don't know i, I guess where to, i would start was just saying that it's just it just feels like such a like a Jack London tale to me, mm-hmm. you know, man versus nature, man versus self, man versus man. It's just so many elements working in this film. And I think it's probably one of the grossly mismarketed films of the year. Um, I just, you know, there's so much symbolism in the film. There's so much more to it than a Liam Neeson action movie. Everybody refers to the trailer where like, he's about to fight a wolf with like glass on his knuckles, which mm-hmm. is again, the problem with the marketing in the film. Um, just so many scenes in the movie just resonated with me so deeply beyond just like the, there's a brutal plane crash scene in the film that is just completely shocking. And as being petrified of planes to begin with basically ruined me for a short time following that for a trip to Florida, I had to go to, um, but yeah, just so many scenes in the film that worked well. Um, you know, basically it's about Liam Neeson's character. He, he's working on this, I guess like a, some site up in, I don't even know. I guess is it in Alaska or something? I, I got Alaska, but yeah, maybe it was. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Um, and you know, on the way to fly away, fly home, is when this plane crash happens, and it's mm-hmm. this tale of survival, and it becomes a tale of elemental things, and um, and it's just an absolutely incredible film. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. And you know, unfortunately, it falls in that category where it came out so early in the year. I have seen it popping up on a few top ten lists which I am very happy to see. But um, unfortunately, you know, it didn't really get the attention I think it deserves. Right. And, you know, if anything, it's on Netflix. Um, it's out on DVD and whatnot. But, you know, if you like that kind of tale of survival, 
mm-hmm. um, com- completely well-made, like Joe Carnahan. I mean, that's the other thing is a lot of people don't expect that from, right. I guess, I don't know. Like, well, like I think after NARC, NARC yeah, was, I would have expected something like, like this, that from him. Absolutely. And then Smoking Aces was interesting, but kind of weird. Yeah, and, and then he had like the A-Team. And, and, and the A-Team was yeah, just, And it was yeah. like, where did this movie come from? Right. Like this just, it's a classic survival film. And I think it's going to be like, you know, a film that lasts time, you know, test of time as well. But the, the gray is absolutely incredible. I definitely recommend checking it out. For me, number seven is Django Unchained. There you go. Uh, you know, I think you said it all, but like basically I would just say that somehow this disastrous or potentially disastrous idea worked. Quentin Tarantino is just that good. Uh, it, there are definitely some moments of excess. I, I do, I, when I was watching it, I do remember thinking that the quality of the filmmaking seemed to kind of be a little erratic. There were some scenes that were just like beautifully shot and beautifully staged. And then there were some scenes like when you get to the kind of bloodbath aspect, some of those scenes are sort of maybe shot deliberately to look kind of like a cheap exploitation movie. But I found that there were times where I found the kind of movie about movie aspect to it to be a little frustrating. But then I had this epiphany recently where I just thought, well, you know what? People are all over Tarantino's jock for making movies about movies, but Really what he does in this case, and he did it a little bit with Inglorious Bastards, but I think he even did it more with, with Django, was just by using a movie about movies, he kind of processes, like we we think about things through our entertainment and through our pop culture all the time. Like we have songs and movies and books and things that come out at a certain time and they, they, they sort of crystallize uh, something that's going on. And I think that you can't really ding him for making movies about movies when there's enough to say about the way we depict the South sure. in movies Absolutely. and the way that like the Southern gentleman is depicted in movies and slavery is depicted in movies. So even if he's just commenting on how those things are depicted in movies, that is our culture. That is how we pass down a lot of these ideas. So yeah. I think it's maybe a bolder statement and a more intelligent statement than people want to give it credit for. Um, but, you know, as usual with Tarantino, it comes down to great dialogue, great characters. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson and DiCaprio, I think, are career best Absolutely. in this movie. Um and also, just I don't want to. This is a little bit of a spoiler, but I don't think it gives away too much. The horse tricks at the end delighted me so <laughs> much, deep in my heart. That to me felt like one of those beats that you just know Tarantino saw some weird old spaghetti western where the guy yeah. at the end did some horse tricks um, because that was out of nowhere. But it was to me, it was a perfect example of like the way that you know, in the midst of all this awful blood and guts, that Tarantino still can can just make you make you laugh and sure. make you yeah. and in this case too i think there was as we discussed before there was a real sweetness to the sort of central romance in the film that um i think jamie fox is a little underrated in this role he's not expected to do a whole lot um but those those scenes where he's just kind of quietly observing what's going on around him i think yeah, that sure. i think there's a certain kind of actor who can hold your attention by just by just observing and i thought he did a great job in cool. that so django yeah um django django <laughs> Um, my number six is Celeste and Jesse Forever. Wow. I just saw that today. What did you think Random. about it? I liked it. Okay, so the reason why I chose this is because... Now that Steve's validated you, you're good. Yeah, you're good to, to go. He seems <laughs> to be relaxing a little bit. Um, yeah, buddy. Just let them shoulders fall. I, I like the Come idea of, of actors taking on writing roles and actually making it a good film, an honest film. That was and Rashida I, Jones's script, right? Yeah, and it just felt very real. Like, I think that's one thing that's missing with a lot of romantic comedies and in dramedies and stuff like that is just a, a total lack of honesty. And this had, it had, it It had a lot of honesty. It, it didn't have the resolutions for a lot of the problems that they had weren't typical. So yeah. it, it set, it, it, I felt good about seeing, it. I was like, this isn't, 
this is normally what I see. So I, it, it kind of went high on my list because of that. So Celeste and Jesse. Right on oh, and the acting too. Like uh, Andy Samberg, Rashida Jones, so good at that relationship. Had a lot of chemistry on screen, so it was nice to see. So do you think in the year, in terms of the year, it kind of balanced out, that's my boy for Sandberg? Oh, man. That was this year, boy. right? He was also, yeah, that and yeah. Uh, the other Sandler, the animated, the hotel, whatever it was called. <laughs> what the fuck? Hotel Transylvania? You know, that, you know, I that couldn't was, sit through that. So I was like, I, I liked it. It's, in, well, it's I mean, actually was, my number two. That was 90 minutes in an air-conditioned room. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was quiet, you know. I should have just brought, like, a pillow. and. Oh, man. <laughs> that movie looked horrific. But, yeah, I guess it did kind of balance it out. All right, and my number number six is going to be Ryan Johnson's Looper. Um, I think this is a film that really focuses uh, on a balance between brain power and like the heart and soul of a film. Mm-hmm. I think it's a movie that uh, explores a lot of themes about like regrets and redemption and love and loss, and doesn't is isn't really shying away from slowing down the pace of like what is I guess you would most would think is like a sci-fi action movie to really kind of sit down and let it be a drama at times, you know, about family and about self and um, while still for the most part, making a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Like one of the best things about the film, in my opinion, is that there's an actual line in the movie where it's just like, you know, I think Jeff Daniels uh, character just says, you know, uh, don't ask why, you know, Mm -hmm. you just kind of go with it. And I mean that, I think that represents the film. Like, you can find logic in the film if you just kind of go with it and you can kind of see the, this time travel future world that Ryan Johnson's created. And it, it makes sense, you know, bless it, you, Ronald real life just happened. While Steve was <laughs> talking. And, uh, you know, there's, te- you know, there's all, there's always going to be like these discussions of like loopholes and like, mm-hmm. where's the plot hole in this and that, whatever. But I think for the most part in the past five, 10 years, it's probably one of the better sci-fi films that I've seen. Um, and I think it, it, it like I said before, it's like, a nice mix of like a Western and like a, almost like a gangster film and yeah. a family film. There's a lot of cool shit going on and it's more about the who than the why mm-hmm. throughout the whole movie, which is, yeah. I think something that a lot of people don't do. They focus more on the motivation as opposed to the person, him or herself. Yeah. And uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, while I didn't like the makeup, uh, which, you know, yeah. I know we've had discussions on. And, and there are people who will talk about the amazing makeup in that movie. Yeah, That's so subjective, you know. I, know. Yeah. I like, I watched an interview with him saying, like, how the, at one point they were going to use, like, a CG, like, they were using CG to yeah. make oh. him look more like Bruce Willis. And he was like, no, 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 I have a better idea. Let me get the guy that did my makeup on ha- G.I. Joe. He should have said, no, 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 I have an idea that's not That's terrible. So like, no, imagine, no. Imagine, but imagine if his face had been... It would be I feel horrible. Like the CG would have It'd be awful. horrible, but I don't think making a making a plea to use the makeup artist from GI Joe is a good <laughs> right. good, good approach really either. Good. But I guess Ryan that Jackson guy's a real American was, hero, Steve. And he, he went with that. But I don't know. Everything pretty much worked for me. I mean, the scene when the kid, you know, you first really see what the kid, you know, what powers the kid mm-hmm. has, I thought was incredible. Like the lack of sound in that moment was yeah, really, really effective. Cool. Just really focusing on... The scene with Garrett Delahunt out of the... Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, that scene was incredible. Um, just really creeped me out and yeah. really kind of put perspective into the movie for me. Just a huge fan of the film, and uh, I think Ryan Johnson is going to be a voice uh, in, in the film world to be heard for a long time. It's just I, a matter of when it breaks wide. I think I read somewhere that Shane Carruth, the guy yeah. who directed uh, Primer, or Primer, however you're supposed to say it, yeah. and has got upst- uh, Upstream, upstream color. color coming out, that he consulted on the time travel mechanics of yeah, Looper. I and I, th- oh. I thought that was kind of cool because that's one thing that Primer did. I, I'm just going to alternate how I say it every time. Uh, the one of the things it did really well was try to make it like the timeline of the way the time travel worked plausible. And I thought that was one thing that Looper did that was kind of cool was 
it just it sort of dealt with the consequences of this technology existing, but it didn't spend a lot of time. You know, it's not like they were going back to kill Hitler or anything yep. like that. Yeah. It was as though it was a technology that that they were actually trying to control. I thought that was yeah. It was you're right. It was smart sci-fi, and it was great it just was. to see an original script that wasn't based on a comic or based yeah. on a yeah. complete an bullshit that didn't movie. get an Oscar nomination. Yeah. It's I can't very weird. That yeah. shit. Well, I also like that, like uh, the shifts in how you felt about the characters. Like, you, like one moment somebody would be really, really like a hero, and yeah, they'd do something fucked. I love like, that. Wow, what is that's like the gangster the... element to it. Like sometimes yeah. the bad guys are the good guys, and or yeah. vice versa at, at certain points in the movie. Yeah, and you don't really know. You don't really know who you want to root for anymore because you see a certain a certain person's motivation yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like, and it I don't know perspective was really quick on the movie and yeah, I'm a huge fan of the movie. Uh, number six for me is uh, the controversial. We talked about it just last week. Zero Dark Thirty. Um, mm. You know, I think I think that it looks like this movie got snubbed. I don't really care about the awards that much. I mean, yeah. I, I, so often the movies I've been in love with have not been the ones that get awards. Sure. But I, I do think when you're in this season and you see a movie coming that everybody sort of... It was like pre-existing buzz on Zero Dark Thirty sure. was as though it was a lock for, you know, an Oscar nomination. Um, it, it just seems a strange slap in the face to a film that I thought was so... So much of the achievement had to do with the direction and the yeah. way that it was put together. And I think that it's safe to say at this point that this movie's been widely misunderstood. I think yeah, that there's that there's a too. lot of controversy over the the supposed uh, glorification of torture in it. Um, I have heard some pretty compelling justifications for why some people say it's irresponsible of the movie to show torture at all and not denounce it. That seems to be oh. the point of view that a lot of people have. That just showing torture in a in a non judgmental light is incorrect because we know that it doesn't work. I mean, it, most smart people say that torture really does not work that well. We don't really get that much valuable information with torture. But I th I think that that sort of doesn't trust the audience enough to come up with their own idea. Like, I think that, um, in fact, Bigelow just, she just had like an op-ed piece in the New York Times, I think, or I've, um, maybe we can link to it on the site. But okay. she just wrote a basically kind of a, an explanation saying that she... She doesn't understand why people are thinking that she passed judgment on anything, that her whole goal with this movie was to just sort of show what happened and depict yeah. it. And there's, you know, there's always going to be scandal about whether a story that's supposedly true about something ripped from the headlines, whether it's really true. But I, you know, I think it's really strange that there's this weird sort of backlash, and there's a lot of people who seem to be piling on the movie for political reasons. Um, and if that's the reason why she didn't get nominated for an Oscar, I think that's really... Uh, kind of shitty and, and out of out of scale with what I consider to be the the immense quality of the work. And yeah, I also totally. think the the uh, even though no movie can be truly objective, I think the attempt at objectivity in that story yeah. it was it was yeah it didn't I, have to be. It was one of those things I noticed when I was watching it though, and it's strange to me that other people yeah. are thinking that. Like I've heard people describe it as rah rah patriotic. I just didn't get that I at all. I didn't get you know? that either. Um, and I don't think of it I as like a propaganda film like for the lot. for the yeah. Well, I mean. I think I think we're all suspicious of a movie that seems to that that if a movie came out that was trying to be the most patriotic movie ever, I think you'd be yeah. suspicious of of its intentions. But sure. in this case, I think she it was so even handed, and it like there's there's it's like a great detective story about all these really intelligent people who who you know went on this ten year manhunt. It's it's there's no easy good guys and bad guys in that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was really powerful, and I, I I think in the end it will win out, but right now it's strange that it seems to be kind of tarred with this brush of, of being irresponsible or being, yeah, being a propaganda film for the CIA or something. I just don't, I just don't understand it. Talk. She kind of makes it look effortless. I think people will... Who, Catherine Bigelow or Jessica Chastain? <laughs> Both of them. Yeah. And I think that what's going to happen is when people like her don't exist anymore, mm -hmm. you'll realize how 
how good directors like her are. Because mm-hmm. it's, you have you ever seen like a, I saw, I know it's a random thing. Oh, Zombie? It's a random zombie movie about Osama bin Laden. I know. I know that sounds really <laughs> that weird. Sounds that sounds really terrible. I know. It's a really. It's a really, really weird thing for me to bring it up. But the idea is like, people don't know how to make fucking movies. You know what I mean? These aren't related subjects, but bad movies are bad movies. Yeah. You watch a bad movie, you know a bad movie. Yeah. This is one of the best movies I've seen. I don't know. Why I didn't put it in my top ten. Yeah. <laughs> but, I think. I think on that note. Yeah, that's uh, this this is a, a point right now. It's a yeah. It's a good time to take a break. Ronald needs to, you know, like, he needs some time to harness himself. <laughs> yeah. Like, why didn't I have this in my top ten? Maybe get his mood up a little more. <laughs> I need to cool Maybe my take jets. a poop. Cool yeah, my. I jets. don't know. Whatever you gotta do, buddy. <laughs> you gotta you gotta bring it this this second half. Oh, I La- Last episode we threw out and on our Facebook and on the site and everything we we kind of threw out an offer to anybody listening, our listeners, partly as a thank you, but also just out of curiosity, we want to know what everybody thought of the films that come out this past year. So we uh, had the Google voice line set up and we basically asked anybody to call in with their, their favorite film of the year. Um, we've gotten a lot of entries. Mm-hmm. Um, almost, uh, I think we're going to end up using about 20 of them. Almost. Yeah. Um, a nice variety of films. Um, people all around the world. That's look right. at that mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. have called mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. We've gone international. We have gone. See what just happened right now is that movie movie has gone Worldwide, we finally found a way to get a podcast that was available worldwide. Weird, oh man, people are going to be asking our secret as soon as they hear this. I think man. that they must have gotten the internet in Europe wars. recently or something, and that's <laughs> I what, think it that's, finally made it across. Yeah. They the probably water. Yeah. they ran like lines under the water. I, think. I don't know how I don't they know do it. They I, th- I think they still use pneumatic tubes over <laughs> is that there. What it is? Yeah, okay. and know. it's metric. I don't understand. <laughs> the conversion is yeah, it's making my head hurt. Uh, but yeah, we got a lot of great. Call-ins, and uh, I just want to quick thanks to everybody that did that, and uh, we appreciate it. But um, we've kind of thrown them together, and here are your or here are our listeners. That's right. Top picks uh, for the film of 2012. Uh, my name is Ben Betts. Um, I my favorite film of 2012 has to be Django. Um, is the one movie that I saw that stuck with me the most. Uh, my name is Drew Steffens. Uh, my film of the year will be Django Unchained. Um, cinematography was phenomenal. Great story, as always, from Tarantino. Never made a bad movie. Um, stand-up performances by Chris Waltz, um, James Fox's thing as well, as long as, along with uh, Samuel Jackson and Leonardo DiCaprio. So my favorite movie of the year. Hey, my name's Sam. My favorite movie of the year was Django Unchained. I thought it was really fun to see Christoph Waltz in a completely different role than we've seen him in before, and Jamie Foxx was pretty awesome. Hey, this is Ben Palmer, and my favorite film of 2012 would definitely have to be Looper. Um, And the reason why is because Looper actually made a little bit of sense with time travel, and it was still freaking amazing. Um, So that's my movie for 2012. Hey, guys, this is Brian. Uh, My pick for 2012 was... uh, Dark Knight Rises. The reason was because Bane gave me the motivation to get swole for the year. So uh, that was my pick. Hi, this is Evan Dane calling, and uh, I would have to say my uh, top pick of 2012 would probably have to be The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, what an amazing film uh, from everything from the production to a storyline was incredible. Uh, it was just an absolutely well well thought out and well put together film 
2012, a New York City theater, my brother and I, a lifetime's worth of geeky anticipation and a whole bunch of fingers and toes crossed, hoping that we weren't about to see something on the level of X-Men Last Stand, say. It turned out to be a great movie. It was a huge popcorn hit for the summer. It remains my favorite movie-going experience of 2012, probably one of my favorite movie-going experiences of the entire lifetime, that I got to see a whole room full of people clap for The Incredible Hulk was so much fun. Thank you, Marvel Studios, for pulling it off. And thank you, Movie Schmovie, for keeping me entertained every single week. A special shout-out to Steve Reeder, who screwed me up four times while I was doing this. This is Jason Conti, Movie Schmovie number one fan and arch enemy, signing off. Yo, this is David Henry Dalton II, a.k.a. DB2, a.k.a. Six Ward Henry, a.k.a. David Dumais. But now, uh, <laughs> uh, my favorite movie of the year is probably uh, Les Miserables. Just because I forgot that it was a musical when I first went in it, and um, I wanted to see, really wanted to see Django, and I was upset for like the first couple of minutes, but then I really got into it. Hi, my name is Devin, and um, my favorite movie in 2012 was End of Watch with Jake Gyllenhaal. It wasn't the biggest hit, but um, it did come in number one, and um, I think I was just more moved by this than any other movie this year. Uh, I really liked the buddy cop dynamic, but also the gritty and realistic way it was shot. It also reminds me of the lovely neighborhoods I live in out here in Los Angeles. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hey, Steve and Ronald. It's your boy, Dak. And my movie of the, of 2012 has to be Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, it's the best rom-com I've seen in probably the last five, ten years. Uh, the, the cast and just the... The way the story went down, it's just such a moving movie. Uh, I rooted for those characters the whole way through. Again, great play suggested to everyone. I'll see you later. Hey, Movie Schmovie. It's uh, David Riddick. Um, my uh, favorite movie of 2012, I guess, would have to be uh, Silver Linings Playbook. Um, I thought it was a great all-around movie and uh, had a lot of uh, – funny parts, and Robert De Niro, Bradley Cooper, and Jennifer Lawrence, I just thought, played their parts uh, great, and that was a uh, really good movie. All right, uh, have a uh, great podcast, and talk to you guys later. Hey, guys, it's Aaron. My favorite movie of 2012 is Silver Linings Playbook. My favorite parts of the movie were This Is Not a Date at the Diner and the dance scene at the end. I laughed, I cried, and I even cheered for the Philadelphia Eagles for the first time. For all these reasons, Silver Linings is an A in my book. Hi, everyone at Movie Schmovie. This is Leah. I would have to say my favorite movie of the year would be Silver Linings Playbook. And aside from the acting, which was pretty phenomenal, I love the storyline. I love the fact that you um, can see two people who are really struggling find love. Um, in such a different way than we see it in every other movie that we see throughout the year. And um, I just, uh, something about it, just a feel-good movie, it makes you feel great inside. So that would be why I love Silver Linings Playbook. Bye. Hi there, this is John from England. And my favorite movie of the year was The Hobbit, for basically because I love anything to do with Lord of the Rings. Hopefully I haven't left the school too late. So, bye-bye. Uh, hello, this is Wendy Montalegra. Um, uh, let's see, my husband and I saw all the nominated films this year. So um, for 2012, 
I think, I personally think that the winning film should be uh, Lincoln. I thought Daniel Day-Lewis sort of captured something um, about a very enigmatic historical figure. Um, I like that. Um, and I kind of like it when humanitarians are celebrated, too. So uh, that's my pick. My husband um, would like Argo to win, uh, which I thought was really excellent, too. Um, I love Beast of the Southern Wild. I thought that was terrific. Um, I would be pleased with that one. Um, so that's those are our picks. We're still um, a little both disappointed and confused as to why Ghost Rider 2 never made it, never received an Oscar nod. We're, we're still kind of trying to figure that one out. But anyway, uh, that's my two cents. Thanks. Bye. Hey there, Movie Schmovie. This is Brad Sense calling in for my Best Picture nomination of 2012. Uh, I think the best movie of 2012 was Lincoln. I saw Daniel Day-Lewis. Sally Field, James Spader, Tommy Lee Jones were fantastic in the movie acting. I thought Steven Spielberg did an excellent job directing it. And I thought the screenplay and the cinematography of the movie was just outstanding. So my pick of the year for 2012 was Lincoln. Thanks, guys. Bye. Hello. My name is Carrie Sue Barney, and my pick is Lincoln because uh, Steven Spielberg took the Tired two hours to talk about uh, one very particular part of uh, the presidency, and uh, which uh, he could he could have shown all the blood and guts, and he didn't, which I kind of was hoping he would. So that's it. Bye. Hey, movie movie. This is Lauren. Um, my pick for this year was Savages, and simply because it was the most fun I had at the theater all year, kept me interested the whole time. And just thought it was a good time. So that's my pick. Thanks a lot. Yes, hi. Uh, this is Patrick Anderson. Um, my favorite pick, I would say, for 2012, if you guys are taking them, it would be The Raid. Um, I'll keep it nice and short. I honestly haven't seen an action flick in the theaters like this one in probably many years. Uh, got an old feel of... Uh, an old, stick of, uh, an old favorite of mine, which is Assault on Precinct 13, John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13. Um, again, I uh, just thought it was very suspenseful soul and uh, the way it was shot and just thought it was done extremely well. Fights were done extremely well. That would be my vote. Thanks, and it's a great idea what you guys are doing. Keep it up. Wow. Wow. Thank Those you. were some good picks, guys. Wasn't Thanks that an amazing segment? So much heard. variety. Some of you guys had good picks, and some of you guys fucking suck. <laughs> Seriously. Don't don't ever contribute again. Some of you. <laughs> he speaks for only himself. And <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure what Ronald's game is. Yeah, I was yeah, just no, thinking. I appreciate all of your input. I'm just thinking game. this went so well, we should do this again more oh, often. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Ronald. All right. It's that positivity thing. I don't think that Ronald took, I think he took a turn for the worse during the break. It felt like it did. All right, man. Well, tell me. What I'm was your gonna, number five I'm film, Ronald? your fucking drawers off your pants. <laughs> Wait. What? what? That, I didn't see that film. <laughs> Superman I, wears his drawers outside his pants. Right? You could shock his drawers off his pants. <laughs> I think he did that by accident once and then just had to stick with it because someone got a go picture. It. Like, asshole, your drawers are outside. <laughs> it's like, I'm going with it. I like this. <laughs> right. I think I'm going to be like this forever. Uh, the number five is... Um, Think something. <laughs> a comic book movie written and directed by Christopher Nolan. There you oh, go. the Dark Knight. The reason why I chose Wait, this. Rises. Rises. Yeah. Oh yeah, Rises. <laughs> well, Ronald's still hung up on Dark Knight. Right. Yeah. The reason why I chose Heath Ledger this was movie, great. Ronald, you're right. The, <laughs> the reason that 
reason I chose this movie is because. That's it. It's because. <laughs> yeah. That's, yep. the end. That's all you need to know. Take that. But yeah, Dark Knight, number five. Did you actually give us a because or are you cool no, with just leaving No, I'm really legitimately not going to give a because. I think you know the deal. Uh, my number five film is uh, a documentary, British documentary, uh, called The Imposter. Mm. I um, didn't see that. I yeah, really want to see You should check it out, stuff. man. Um, Bart Layton's film, it's a documentary about this case from 97 where um, this little boy goes, well, actually, he went missing in, uh, I think, 1993. And, uh, you know, he's missing for three or four years. And he was a, like a 13 or 14-year-old. Yeah, he, he, I think he was 13 when he went missing. Uh, in 94, um, Nicholas Barclay. And in 1997, um, the police, I think it's in, I think it was in Spain, um, call the family, you know, this boy, and say basically that somebody's turned themselves in or they found this person who's claiming to be uh, your son, you know, or your your brother, you know, th- this this figure. And, you know, this is basically the story of the family going over there, and the fact that this is a fucking documentary blows my mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, because this is something you could write as a feature film and ne- never believe that this would ever happen. Yep. But the fact that government agencies were involved in this in this really happening, international agents involved in this happening, and a family that welcomed somebody into their home for six months, believing that it was their missing son or brother or whatever, um, is absolutely frightening. Um, the last 20 minutes of the movie is probably the most creeped out, uncomfortable I was in the theaters all year this year, um, really raising a lot of really interesting questions about what actually happened to this kid. Um, do people really even care? Um, mm. And the fact that, you know, the kid could still be out there or maybe he can and a killer may still be out. You know, so many crazy, sh- so much shit happens in the last 20 minutes. Yeah. The third act of the film takes a turn. The layout of the film is really incredible, uh, mixing, you know, basically reenactment, uh, film with actual interviews and uh, of the participants, you know, the, the family members and the act and the gentleman who, you know, is is basically exposed as being an imposter. This mm-hmm. guy who in his life had, had done that more than once, you know, basically just took on the life of another person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the guy that looks nothing like this fucking kid would have looked <laughs> four years later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that's yeah. what makes it so uncomfortable watching a movie that like this, this sister goes over there to see this guy mm-hmm. and welcomes him with open arms and believes it. And it, it makes you question everything that mm-hmm. you just watched in the prior one hour and 20 minutes from one hour, 21 to one hour, 40. You just don't know what you just saw. I mean, what, I'm not gonna lie, what? Steve. I'm not gonna lie. It's my number five too. Yeah, John. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm, yeah, nice I'm, transition. I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here trying to like wait so that uh, I can start talking. I about saw it your in like blood yeah, come out of your mouth. Yeah. yeah, I love this movie. Um, uh, and I do think a debate can be had about about the documentary aspect of showing. I mean, we talked about it before. The sort of using reenactments and sure. mixing it in with real footage. That whether you know it's a reenactment or not, and no matter how artfully done it is, there is the sort of subconscious effect and maybe this is something to do with the way people are reacting to zero dark 30 as well is that once you've presented something it's sort of if it's kind of pretending to be the truth or claiming to be the truth it's it's hard in a documentary to say well you're shooting a reenactment you're showing that and you're putting that up against the real footage it's so convincing that you really do believe the filmmakers construction of these events but you don't know for sure that you're not being kind of pushed in one way or another Mm -hmm. i mean i think the facts still pretty much speak for itself yeah um but I, I think aside from that kind of debate, uh, I think I mean, well, really, I think that debate about whether the movie is totally appropriate in the way it deals with the facts is actually just one layer of the onion. I mean, it's it's almost like it's a meta commentary on 
telling the truth and can you really ever tell the truth and is a story ever really true? I mean, this is a quote unquote true story that has a liar at the center of it. Absolutely. And and at the end, everybody's implicated. Yeah. And and, you, and I think uh, you're talking about when the story takes a turn. I, I think that it is like one of the most spine tingling moments of recent memory for me of any movie I've seen. Just that moment when you 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 there's a there's a central question you haven't really been thinking about. And when you, you finally you, get a yeah. chance to examine it, yep. it, it yeah, it doesn't exactly I mean again, maybe if maybe if we oversell it, it won't have that effect, but there's definitely uh, more, more twists in this movie than in the average documentary. And I would also say I had the same thought that you had, Steve, which is that if you wrote this story, you would have to change it to make it more believable. Yeah. It's just a really, really incredibly made documentary. Uh, and uh, really yeah, you, you got to see so. it, Ronald. I, I have no doubt in my mind that you would absolutely love it. Yeah. And now cool. you should know you'll be disappointing us both greatly if you don't love it. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to see it before next So try week. to enjoy it now. Okay. <laughs> The under, idea under that kind of sounds, pressure sounds yeah. very good. Yeah. Um, my number four is Lincoln. 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 <laughs> how do we pronounce it, Lincoln, when that's not how it's spelled? Are we going to get oh, into this now? <laughs> damn you, English. <laughs> but yeah, Lincoln. And the reason why is there really just, aren't other words that work that way. You're right, though. I'm trying to think of other words that use the O L N with a silent sh- L. Very strange. That'll be another one for language schmanguage when yeah. we do that spinoff. <laughs> the reason I chose this movie was because it's just, uh, it is a masterpiece. It is uh, a, a journey into this portion of history that just feels good. Like, it doesn't feel too, like, uh, it does feel a little glossed over, like mm-hmm. a little, little... Uh, little Spielbergy, little Spielbergy, like little John orchestrated mu- cue the orchestrated music. But I think probably the most restrained, yes, of yes. recent, which yeah, I think absolutely. is why so many people, including the two of you, when we talked about it a long time ago, reacted so positively right. to it. Yeah, and you know what it, I mean, which I mean, and and despite the fact that it felt like a play, like that wasn't a that wasn't a bad thing. That no. wasn't a bad thing that it, it to take on something. Don't, so... Don't people sound stupid? When they when they knock a movie to you because it felt like a play, or yeah. because oh it's just a yeah. lot of people talking, it's like okay maybe that was boring, but do you realize how dumb that sounds? <laughs> yeah. Right, you right. can't handle like just dialogue. Like yeah. it's, I mean, it, it, shit wasn't blowing up. Yeah, right. Right, and I think that's it's it speaks volumes about a movie if it could grab you and not have explosions, mm-hmm. and and the debate is just something political and moral and and just seeing it it, it kind of the ideas kind of tumble between these people and deciding these big these big things these big ideas that, and 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 seeing a man that could see way ahead of these people to see the impact that this would have is an incredible thing and and whether it's like super accurate or not accurate at all it made it seem like he was a conflicted man like it mm-hmm. didn't seem like he was just like i'll go to free slaves because i'm the best person ever it didn't seem like that it you should play lincoln yeah, we need to get you in a revival i will i will i, will. <laughs> I just need that uh wonderful facial hair by the way uh daniel day lewis and the whole cast it was kind of overwhelming how good they were yeah mm-hmm. seeing them interact with each other it it it's and it's not just because they were star power it wasn't just star power it was good stars they could have chosen People like Brad Pitt or something like that. They could have chose Angelina Jolie to be in it some way, but they didn't. They chose actors that could act their asses off, mm-hmm. and it was incredible to see these people just kind of present this amazing film that I thought was going to be super duper powder puff 
bullshit, and it was actually very, very solid. So It was more like powdered wig bullshit. Yeah, it was <laughs> powdered wig bullshit. Yeah, I, I kind of wish I had seen it a little earlier. I, I saw it a little too late, I think. It just missed my top ten. Oh, okay. But um, I would agree with everything. I mean, I thought... So what are you? You had your, your top ten engraved in stone? You couldn't... You couldn't... <laughs> no, it just wasn't... It, it just didn't, it didn't hit me hard enough yeah. to crack the ten. It, it oh, was like okay. 11, 12-ish. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But yeah, I, I would These agree. numbers... I hope people are keeping track of these numbers, because these mean yeah, a lot. Better, this be a yeah, quiz these are the later. numbers of our time. These are like the numbers on law. I think I think the thing I took away from it the most was like kind of what you were alluding to, Rana, was like it kind of made I guess by not focusing a lot of and some people hated this, like about the war and all these battles. Like it was strictly about this one thing Mm -hmm. and about how much talking went on, how much dealing and wheeling and all that shit went on to make Mm -hmm. this happen. And And how many people were on the right side of history without really necessarily doing the right thing for the right reasons? Sure, absolutely. Um just all these promises and, you know, under the table thing. Like it was like mm-hmm. so sleazy, yeah. but I mean like, and what it accomplished, you know, it's just like, it's kind of crazy. And, um, you know, showing politics in that light, especially from Spielberg without being a little heavy handed with it, I thought was a real accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just Daniel Day Lewis was incredible in it. Did you, did you have any uh, issue with, with how it ended or where it ended? I uh, think that the assassination I, part was just weird. I, I, I mean, like it, I almost felt like it should have ended with, with the shot of him and his son in the window. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Like, I, that, like that just seemed like the perfect way. Like, yeah. if it had ended, I feel like that movie might have cracked the top mm-hmm. ten for me. Something just that weird. little, yeah. I don't know, that could at the end. Necessary. Just, you could have walked out going, you know, things might turn out well for this Lincoln right. guy. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> exactly. He's a good cat. The optimism would have yeah. stayed with me. <laughs> it just was, yeah, something about that. All right. Oh. Uh, going on with uh, my number four choice of the year. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, dun, dun, dun. A movie that I thought was going to stay a little higher. Um, it slipped a couple spots, but still one of my favorite movies of the year is Ben Affleck's Argo. Okay. Um, uh, I've always been a big fan of Affleck, even when he's done shit. I just think he's a very charismatic, has something to offer. And, mm-hmm. and with Gone Baby Gone and uh, The Town and now with Argo, I think he's really proven himself as a legitimate director, you know, in terms of scope of picture and being able to take it out outside of these Boston films that he was always kind of criticized for. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, all year he'd been getting so much attention for how well directed this film was. Some criticism for casting himself in the lead role, but overall, <laughs> I don't think it really hurts the film, in my opinion. Um, and I think you know uh, he just won like best director at the Golden Globes, and but he didn't get nominated for an Oscar, but the film did. It's just it's just crazy to me that you know you get so much attention for that, and you know it completely gets overlooked. I'm not sure how that happened, mm-hmm. but I think I think what really is successful with the film um, is is kind of how simply it's executed just in from beginning to end Mm -hmm. it's not too intense where you have trouble understanding anything i love the opening credits the animations that kind of explain where we are when we get dropped into uh the crisis in i think it was 1979 um and i just think that it made you look like storyboards yeah yeah Yeah, that was cool it was really cool it's just like it it wasn't which actually ties into the storyboards later in later in the film and and, and them actually leaving the country yeah absolutely i wasn't expecting that at all the opening? Nah, yeah, I didn't expect that. Yeah. Um, it was cool. It was cool. I, I I may have heard that was actually added after the fact. Not that, sure. That, that, because they wanted to round out. I mean, that opening does depict sort of the U.S.'s fault in the whole situation. Yeah. And I would say maybe you need that because the rest of the movie almost treats the uh, 
the the crisis is the, the, just treats the well. I mean, it's as though they're. It's, I don't know if you saw the movie Assault on Precinct Thirteen, where yeah. there's these gangs that are descending on a police precinct, and but they're almost like faceless monsters out there just trying to crash in. I think that the movie skirts with depicting okay. the agree. Iranians in that light, yeah. and I think that without that opening, you you might only have seen them in kind of villainous light. That's maybe the only beat that that movie missed for me was not really making me understand. There was there were no Iranian characters that weren't just like cartoon villains, kind of. <laughs> Also, the most inept uh, like airport workers in the world. But. Yeah. <laughs> they did. They did kind of seem like pea-brained. Like you have to blow you up and yeah. kill you. They're very like. And you show them pictures and like, oh, yeah. look at that oh, yeah. picture. It's very interesting. But I think uh, I guess what what really works for the film, I think, is just like the pacing of it is just really uh, done well. I mean, a nice mix of humor, tension, you know, excitement, little action here and there. Um, but nothing, like I said, that is too, too serious or too light. Right. You know, right. I think that yeah. it's really, it really does a great job of kind of ho- hovering around the middle so that it, a mass audience can access this story that, you know, the public didn't know about until 1997, you know, mm-hmm. 20, whatever, eight years <clears throat> after it ha- or 18 years after it happened. Um, script is really well written. Um, some really great characters, and it's kind of hard to spread it out among the six that are you know hiding out that he's really working to get out of the country. But there's enough there with each of the characters Scoot. that you see. Yeah, uh, Scoot McNary. Scoot McNary. <laughs> um, you know enough there that you you can identify something about each of the characters and where their play is mm-hmm. in this whole you know in the story that we're following. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Argo just really entertaining. Um, cool. That'd be you, John. My number four is a movie that has a name, but I've given it another name. I call it Bradley Cooper, colon, Redemption. (laughs) Um, Of course I'm referring to Silver Linings Playbook. I was going to try to, what was that other bad looking movie that Bradley Cooper was in where he has like dreadlocks or something? Oh, Hit and Run. Yeah, it'd be great if I mentioned that. He's in that movie. I actually like that movie. You saw it? Side note, Dak Shepard, Kristen Bell. Yeah. Yeah. I like all those people. Oh, it's actually good? It's funny. Okay. They are having babies. It's fine. They're they're like married or something, right? Yeah. Or engaged. Dak Shepard. By the way, so now that we're on the subject, where do babies come from? Because <laughs> I've got one. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Um, but yeah, uh, you waited a little while to ask that question. Silver whining. Oh, yeah, silver whinings. Years. Silver whinings. Yes. Silver whining. It's a sequel to uh, Sideways. Um, <laughs> no, but Silver Linings Playbook. I mean, we've talked about it. Uh, our our. I hadn't seen it before when you uh, were talking about it. So I kind of right. took your word for it that it was that it was a. A step in the right direction for David O. Russell, who's you know in some ways one of my favorite directors. I don't think he does enough to feel like you always are wondering what he's doing now. But it's like every few years, I sort of have that thought of like in between stories of him starting a movie and dropping off of it, there would actually be a movie that would happen. And so when this movie started rolling forward, it sort of had a lot of pressure in my mind to be good because, um, you know, I want David O. Russell to make. I think he's capable of making amazing films. I thought uh, 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 Flirting with Disaster was was great. Uh, Three Kings is really solid. Um, I'm. I think Steve agrees. I think you do too, Ronald. But I Heart Huckabees. I think is a really underrated movie. One of my favorite um, movies. I think this movie does a lot of similar things. I did not see. Was it the Fighter? Was that yeah, the the fighter. yeah, I didn't I see didn't. the Fighter. Um, but so uh, to me, this was just like a great reacquainting with those things that David O. Russell does well. I mean, the movie is is interestingly directed. Like it's shot well. Um, I know that he's supposedly really hard on his actors, but in this movie, there's a weird lightness to it that just permeates the whole movie, even when you're dealing with these characters who are essentially very fucked up people. I mean, it's, you know, um, it's, it's, 
it's I, I don't know. It's fun to see heartwarming stuff happen in a movie sometimes when they earn it. Yeah. And without being really sappy, this movie shows you some people, and it's not just Jennifer Lawrence and who's great by the way as well, and Bradley Cooper who are the kind of messed up ones. Everyone in their life has sort of a dark secret or a problem or something they're trying to work out. And and the movie creates this weird sense of this kind of extended family, all these all these people who support each other, like despite all their flaws and despite all their disagreements. Um, and I thought Bradley Cooper's character, it was a pretty nuanced depiction of someone who's kind of in recovery. I mean, he definitely, you see the edges. He's a guy who, who's just gotten out of the insane asylum, essentially, right? I mean, yeah. or some kind of yeah, it's a mental hospital. Mental Baltimore. hospital. Um, I'm, I think the insane asylum. That's what they called them a hundred years ago. <laughs> uh, the sanatorium. Um, no, but he um, or sanitarium. Uh, so he gets out, and we know that he's got this troubled past, and he's got this kind of violent side, and we see little flashes of it in the movie. But it's much more about him trying to pick up the pieces and and move forward. And I thought this movie. Um, had enough rough edges that it kind of distracted you from the the gooey center, which is that it really is just sort of an up with people sort of film. So, you know, if you want smart, uplifting, uh, interesting characters, uh, sort of relatable weirdness, I, like I thought Robert De Niro was great. I love the way his character slowly unfolds into this. He might be the the most quirky of this quirky bunch of people. Yeah. Um, and I thought like little scenes like there's he's got like a Bradley Cooper's got an older brother who was clearly the favorite kid and and the tension between them in another movie or a less interesting movie would have been so well, they would have played it up it would have been yeah. really dramatic but in this yeah. movie it's much more about those guys who are probably very different but you see how they bridge the gap and how they 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 like I said before how they support each other i thought it was um you know tear jerking in the best way Silver Linings Playbook. I understand Steve likes this movie quite a bit. I kind of did, yeah. I wouldn't be good. surprised it's to hear okay. him talk it's about okay. it in okay. a few minutes. <laughs> My number three is Silver Linings Playbook. Fucking <laughs> 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 crazy. So about the same I way. We're so delighted. but I felt yeah. We're so giddy. <laughs> the same way about this movie. So there's something about uh, very attractive people on screen that I can't accept pain from them yeah talk about bradley cooper bradley cooper and jennifer <laughs> lawrence man jennifer lawrence is incredible but when you when you take two good actors and an, an actor and an actress that tackle something so real um and they're good at it mm-hmm. it, it 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 you separate yourself from the idea of who they are and other things mm-hmm. and from the moment that i saw bradley cooper throw out the Hemingway <laughs> book out of the window, I knew that I was watching a different sort of movie. It 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 affected me in a way just because I've had, like, weird stuff with, like, experiences with, like, family and friends and this sort of subject matter. It, it touched me in a way that not very many movies did this year, and it, it was really powerful. I, and, and it wasn't corny. Like, it wasn't corny. Yeah. And fucking Chris Tucker, I was about man. to say, yeah. Chris Tucker was very underplayed. Like I love, I love the fact that he wasn't like rush hour. Rush hour, yeah. He wasn't rush hour, mm-hmm. but he still had his like charisma. Like the, it felt more like. Um, it felt like we were really watching him come out of like career rehab, right? And his character's right. kind of coming out of rehab in this. You know, so it's a, in right. the weird way you really felt like, oh, Chris Tucker's back in this. Yeah. And is he going to get out? Oh, it looks like he's out. It, yeah, it was like that funny. It was like that funny joke that the, yeah. the recurring joke with him that yeah. you're like, man. There's something about this movie. It's like they caught lightning in a bottle for mm-hmm. these these actors and actresses and Robert De Niro. Well, uh, one more thing about Chris Tucker, that scene where he comes over when they're rehearsing, 
and he kind of helps him out. Yeah. That could have been such a bad scene. Yeah. To be like, hey, look, the black guy's showing him how to do some yeah. moves. That could have been so corny. But the way that it works in the film, it is yeah. just like, del- it's just delightful. You're just, so you're just, you're just like grinning yeah. ear to ear. The cool part about it was, too, like, at first you see that, you know, Bradley Cooper's character's like, this is really making me uncomfortable because he's grabbing on this girl. Yeah. And he's then, like, I'll take it from here. Right. <laughs> and then, and then I, got, I guess he kind of, like, takes his friend's advice. Yep. And then kind of adapts that it's something amazing it's like they're, they're all helping each other on yeah. some level and in you know what they're the, doing ronald what they're finding the silver linings they are a fucking movie shook up my world man yeah. <laughs> i was not he kept saying it was good i'm like steve steve all when he calls it i know it's going to be good but i didn't know it was going like, to get to me the way it did and yeah i was completely in all of the it, film when I first I saw just it. saw this movie and it moved into my top ten, which is yeah. Yeah, that's no, great. that's what happened. That's great with man. me too. It just yeah. it just jumped right in. Kind of crept up. All right, well, not, my number three, we're on three, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. my number three. This is my wild card of the group. This oh, is the geez. film I've never really. I mean, I think I may have mentioned it to you guys, but not really on the show. Um, and to be in my top three, Oogaloo's or whatever that was, <laughs> yeah, not that one. <laughs> okay. It wasn't that one. Um, beyond behind the gray, I mean, that was like number you know number seven, or eight, or whatever. That it was. was a weird one for me. I'm okay, making... okay, but hear me out. In the top three, number three for <laughs> okay. me this year is a film that probably I was the most personally <laughs> affected by. Uh, I'm a sucker for nostalgia for high school years, for the troubles that kids go through as high schoolers, as teens, as young adults. And uh, when I sat down to watch um, the film adaptation of uh, Stephen Chbosky's The Perks of Being a Wallflower, um, I will be honest with you guys, I cried at least three times. I thought that was about Jacob Dylan. (laughs) No, no, it's not the biopic. (laughs) Oh, no. You missed that one. I genuinely cried at least three times during this movie. Great movie. And I'm fine with saying that out loud for the world to hear right here on Movie Schmovie. Yeah. I think this is Jennifer a film. Lawrence's ass made me cry in Silver Linings Playbook. There's nothing <laughs> Not to be ashamed, ashamed of. Either. There's yeah, nothing no, to be ashamed of here. That. Um, just a really nicely cast film. Ezra Miller um, plays one of uh, one of Logan Lerman's friends uh, in the film, and I think he's very um, underrecognized for his role in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. I know it was a long shot, but just some sort of acting recognition for him. He plays like the gay friend who is basically one of the outcasts. It's just about this group of outcasts and how they make their way through school. He be He's a freshman in high school, and he and he befriends you know these uh, seniors, um, the outcasts. You know, it's Logan Lerman plays the lead, um, Charlie, and like I said, Ezra Miller plays one of his friends, um, uh, Sam, and uh, Emma Watson is in it as well. And uh, she's just actually like for the first thing to be in since the Harry Potter films, or one of her first things that she's been in since the Harry Potter films. Um, just, I mean, she's just she's great, man. She's so cute. She's so adorable you see instantly why he falls in love with this girl. And like, yeah. I fell in love with her as you know, watching this movie. She's just mm-hmm. so, I think back to high school and you think about the, that girl or those people in your life that you relate to on a friend level. Uh, I'm sorry. Emma's Emma plays Sam and Ezra plays Patrick. They're step, step, uh, brother and stepsister. Um, but you know, you, there's people that you can relate to back in high school. You know, those really close friends that got you through so many hard times. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they are genuinely the kids that exist on the fringe, you know, of high school social classes or whatever it might right. be. Um, just a really great soundtrack, uh, dialogue that I could probably quote all day. I mean, and ha- I've actually never read the book, the book that came out in 1999, I think, which mm-hmm. is actually when I graduated from high school, which I have to read now. Um, 
you know, just just an amazing film. A lot of dark undercurrents, which I think were really well handled. I mean, yeah. there's some really heavy shit going on in this movie. Um, you know, like well, if you're really doing a story about like teenagers at, and kids, to not to to not touch on the darkness is it's going to make it seem really false to the kids no, that it's about. You know what I mean? You're absolutely right. Yeah, and I mean, I think that it handles it really delicately because a lot of the dark things are caused by. Adults in mm-hmm. these kids' lives, yeah. which really fucking sucks. And you know, this it's, it's a reality. That still, you know, things like this shit this happens still. But um, but the the thing that really gets me about the movies is, like I said, that these kids are like, they're you know, it's the gay guy, it's it's the school slut, the, the guy Charlie is, you know, he's had like a mental break at a point because he comes into this school having lost one of his best friends, um, and you know, he's like the basket case. But when they're together. They're just on fire. You know, they just are the most important people in the world and they just make each other so much better as people. And, you know, they're just what everybody would want to be if they even knew who they really were. You know what I'm saying? But because they're not the popular kid, they're not the jocks, you know, they're not the the cheerleaders or whatever it might be. No one really ever gets to see them for who they really are, you know, so... So, the, so they're wallflowers, but there are perks to the situation. I think that's what we're trying to learn from this film, John. Um, what, what you can get out of this yeah. from being a wallflower. But, um, yeah, the, the writer of the novel, Stephen, he, he, he actually adapted the screenplay and directed the film as well. And I guess it was something that was going on for a long time and a lot of studio development hell, like trying to say, don't direct your own book or things like that. Mm-hmm. But I think the final product was incredible. Um, I don't know, just... Not too dramatic, not too melodramatic at times. Um, just really, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about the movie besides that, you know, it's like that that nostalgia trip that I need to take every once in a while that makes me remember where where you come from and you can relate to. And, like, one day when I have kids, like, it's the kind of movie that I want them to see, like, if they're different. Yeah. It's it's okay. It's yeah. okay to be different. You know what I mean? It's just a great film. Perks of Being a Wallflower is a must-see in my book. Good movie. I, I don't know why. It's so too many movies to put. Fucking a lot of great films. That's one that looked good to me, but I I completely forgot about it once it was out, and I don't know. You know, sometimes they just slip past you. But that look, the trailer looked really, looked really interesting. Um, I'll say a little something about my top three before I give you my number three, which is that my top three are all sort of they're all sort of like tied for number one. It's more like I have a seven, and then I've got three that at any one moment might have been number one. Okay, so. My number three, but really my 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 one of my three-way three splits thirds. for yes, one third of number one uh, was a movie we talked a lot about. Uh, Ronald talked about it. Then I got to talk a little bit about it. It's the Raid Redemption. It's a fantastic action film. Yes, I don't think there's anything. I mean, to me, I think if all martial arts movies were paid this much attention to plot and acting and production design right. and character, I would be a bigger fan of the genre. A whole so new world. It was the first yeah. time that I really saw something that, to me, really merged all those elements and used you know very specific styles of fighting sure. uh, to get the story across. I I I mean. This to me is sort of like not just because of the plot similarities, but this to me is sort of the attack the block of of this year, which is the movie that I would unhesitatingly recommend to anybody I know that loves movies. I would say check out The Raid Redemption. Like I think the sequel like is supposed to pick up like twelve hours after. Well, the ending is definitely a kind of this yeah. isn't over type yeah. of ending. So yeah. Now what you said about like you know what would turn you on to films like this? Ronald's always talking about these kinds of films like mm-hmm. these amazing fight scenes, and that's all you I've ever heard you say about movies like. Oh that. yeah, I mean I was skeptical. You know what I mean? when, when he talked yeah. about it, he was not the first person I heard talk about it. But hearing him talk about it, I was like, that sounds cool, but it doesn't sound like it's for me. Right. Well, that's what's always kind of pushed me away from some of these films yeah. like. Ung Bak and a lot of these other ones that you've mentioned is that the fighting it'll impress me for a, a bit and then I become numb to it because I don't really get anything else from it 
the Raid Redemption is absolutely the exception to the rule, and hopefully it becomes the rule, because yeah. movies like this, mm-hmm. if they existed, the action genre would be revitalized like it's been waiting to be for a long time. Yeah. Fucking kick-ass movie, mm-hmm. beat you to the ground, and then you just can't help but want more. And it's just the that final boss fight with... Uh, Whatever, what's his name? Mad Dog or whatever. Oh, Mad Dog! Fucking amazing. Mad yeah. Dog is the best. The he gentleman is. fighter. He makes sure he <laughs> yeah. makes sure you've got a nice spot like the light. Rest in bright. peace, Mad yeah. Dog. So incredible. Yeah. So incredible. Now, there's so many ways to die, and this movie showed you a yeah, lot of them. Every yeah. way. I didn't yeah. even think every floor gives you like three, right, five, right. three to five new ways you could yeah. die. Well, a guy falls off a ledge. He doesn't just fall off a ledge <laughs> and fall down a, like a tunnel. He has to hit the edge and break his back on the other side and then fall down. Yeah, no, it's just yeah. like, like we said, the details. The yeah, right. Details. <laughs> a little and I don't want to make it sound like it's just about the violence, but the. The, the awful things that happen in this movie happen so quickly and without ceremony yeah. that the few characters that you do end up kind of following, you have so much invested in them making it to the next scene, sure, and right. and the odds are stacked. Like every every section, it opens up with like yeah. awesome movie, yeah, awesome movie. Um, mm-hmm. oh man, number two, number two. So my two is a tie between two movies. Oh, oh, every, oh everybody's doing oh, that now. Oh, oh wait, you mean that you're gonna name two movies? I'm gonna name two. Oh, movies. oh no, Django Unchained, breaking the rules. Django Unchained and The Raid. So is there a correlation between those two that would qualify them as to both take a number two? Because if not, you've cheated and you have a top 11. Both yeah. both involve the mistreatment of brown people. Really? Yes! The, yes, I'll say it. Yes! Yes! So, um... I think that was just that was just like dark lighting in, in Raid Redemption. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that movie was shot for less than a million dollars. Kind of just, they didn't have all were, of the technology. Um, the Raid Redemption I've seen five times. And I watch it again, and I feel okay watching it. Yeah. And it's something about it. I notice something new every time. Um, it's 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 brilliant. Like I think the way that the action happens, it's almost like uh, it it's what you imagine uh, the perfect action film would be like. It's it's the attention to detail, the little scenes that like the the scene that's that made it real for me was when what 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 started all the chaos was when they go into the house really quietly mm-hmm. and I don't want to give away the but I got to talk about this part when the little kid sees them mm-hmm. and yells policia and runs and a guy shoots yeah and kills that kid and then you realize that this is a no holds barred mm-hmm. crazy fucking movie yeah. and it, and it felt like that from start to finish and that's what I loved about it um, Django Unchained is a little different. The reason why I love it so much is that it 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 uh, whether you like it or or you don't like it or whatever it is, I think it is historically one of the most important films. What if you're completely life. lukewarm and ambivalent about it? Right, is it is one of the most important movies in a long time because it creates dialogue about it, whatever it is, whatever it is, it mm-hmm. creates dialogue because. Not too many movies prior to it has acknowledged slavery in the way that it's been portrayed, besides like Roots and a couple other movies, which is important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, important to me because whether it's, you know, he he maybe used the N-word too much or anything like that, it sparks conversation about any of it. Yeah. Any of it. It's it's not the best movie I've ever seen in my life, but it is entertaining, it is ridiculous, it is fun. And and somehow it manages to make something that I'm super sensitive about reasonable to watch. And I don't I don't know. That's that's a feat. Mm-hmm. 
particularly since I'm I'm hypersensitive about stuff like that. Yeah. So um No, you know who's hypersensitive? Spike Lee is hypersensitive about it. So much so that he didn't even watch it. He's like, fuck, I don't I know how that movie's gonna be. I feel like Spike Lee that you know, those two guys, one day (laughs) one day they're gonna either like there's gonna be a knife fight or they're gonna like, you know, they're gonna make a movie together. You know, know. Denzel's daughter had like a a a role in making this movie, even though like Denzel like fuck he like approached Quentin Tarantino on the set of like Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide and like questioned his entire life. What's up with all the N words? Yeah. Yeah. Bitch. As I imagine he said to him. But yeah, uh yeah, it's 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 a it, I think it's an important movie. And I think that it, it doesn't seem like it right now, but it I think when we look at it in the future, we'll know that like it's gonna be like one of those cult movies. So that's my my number two. Your that's number two a, is really like a the hybrid. Yeah, right. Yeah. Number two two now that Ronald's completely broken all the rules, are you going to go rent? <laughs> I guess I'm Steve? the only one who's going to hold on to this uh, format that we talked about. Um, no, I'm holding on. I just want you, you guys ha- to know. You, you that have my- one through three tied as one, right. pretty much. You can't say. I'm basically just saying all these top three at one time were at the top of the list. and then but, got is, but, is, but is three, what was three again? The raid. The raid. So three is the raid, though, right? Or, or I would say three the, is the raid. Okay, okay. That's just clarifying. I would say three. I mean, there is there is still okay. a, there's still a reason things ended up the way they did. Okay, the movies were, <laughs> the movies were fighting it out. Um, I'm not going to say a whole lot more about my number two pick because John was talking about it earlier. But um, Zero Dark Thirty, Catherine Bigelow's film. Uh, oh really? Yeah, one of the movies that I was most interested in seeing in the, the last quarter of the year. I just heard so much about it. I actually was excited to see when it was. You know who she used out. to be married to? <laughs> Deuce Bigelow. Deuce no. Yeah. No way. Deuce Bigelow. Weird. Yeah. Before he was a male gigolo? Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Did she force him they into were like, that? They were like high school sweethearts. <laughs> he went into hard times after yeah. she left him. Yeah, you know, art school. Um, they split up. But, yeah, so I was looking forward to this film back in October when it was supposed to come out, and I was kind of glad to hear they weren't forced in that, like, around the election, so I feel like that was just, I don't know, something just didn't feel right about that. Yeah. And it was still being put together, apparently. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, it's just kind of just... A, Same thing with Lincoln, wasn't it? Or did it get pushed up? I don't know, actually. I feel like I read somewhere that they didn't want it to be, like, associated with the the, the politics of the time or something. Oh, right, right, right. I think you might be right. When did it come out? Like, mid-November. Mid-November, yeah. I think, yeah, they didn't want it to come out before the election for Um, some reason because slavery was on the ballot or something. (laughs) (laughs) It's like we don't want to affect this hot button. It came up again. This hot button issue. It came up again. Um, they might sneak it on they there. Saw, we, we they need saw to be Django careful. coming out. You know, all those ordinances you vote on without reading? Let's make sure we read them. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Just touching what John said, like I, I did really appreciate how how much it did avoid the whole like flag waving that a lot of uh, these Hollywood uh, suspense cliches that we see in a lot of these like you know military films. Um, we talked last time on our on our episode about Zero Dark Thirty about just uh, I don't know like how it didn't feel, or at least to me, and, and I think John echoed the same thing, and, and I think Ronald even. How it didn't really feel like it was either going to one side or the other. It mm-hmm. felt pretty neutral to me and just showing something. Basically, what you were just saying about that op-ed column that she wrote. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think that is such a challenge because it's it's gotta be hard in making a film like this that took so long to make and that initially started as something completely different. Right. To to maintain that, you know, to walk that line of not trying to go one way or the other. And obviously it's being, you know, criticized for for doing one or the other, which I don't I don't get at all. But um, I just really appreciated how how like uh, unmelodramatic it was, you know, at times where it could have really kind of gotten yeah. deep in it. Um, really appreciate all the performances. I mean, as far as the drama and the emotion in that movie, the last shot 
really says it all. You know, it's the last like shot you're of the saving film. up for that catharsis. That's of- it. And I mean, that's the payoff. And that, and that that is in reality a payoff, you know, and it makes you really question a lot of what you just saw in the film. And if anything, I think that last scene should completely reset, reset anybody's that's that's you yeah. know, criticizing the film about condoning torture. Because if anything that you take from that film is her not knowing what to do next. Yeah. You know, it's like all that that happened in this whole film, this two hour and 40 minute experience that we just had or 10 years for them. Mm-hmm. We've all spent a decade tracking down an international terrorist. We know how empty it feels when that's all over. <laughs> you just it's like you're looking for your next your next big name terrorist. to track Yeah. Down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just something that uh, I think it's good to take time between terrorists that you're tracking down. Yeah. For, you got to space it out. Yeah. Right. You want to spend some time on you. Out. Right. Yeah. You don't want to rush into some alone time. You don't want to rush into another 10 year manhunt. Right? No. Nah, big no, no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. Zero Dark Thirty, great cast. Uh, I really enjoyed Jason Clark's character as well. Yeah. The guy we mentioned before, I'd just give him some more kudos. Mo- most people don't know him. If anything, you know him by face, but he's got The Great Gatsby coming up this coming year, which I'm hoping he's going to be awesome in, and maybe mm-hmm. we'll see his star rise. But yeah, Zero Dark Thirty, I watched it a second time. think he's going to torture anybody in The Great Gatsby? <laughs> Who, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, he yeah. probably will, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Knowing the character that he plays in the film, yeah. if you read the book. Um, <laughs> That's true. Uh, but yeah, just all around. I saw the film a second time and I felt the exact same way, if not stronger about it. Just a badass movie by a really great filmmaker, you know, that I can't, I can't say enough. You know, I love the Hurt Locker and I'm not gonna lie to you. I love Point Break. I'm taking it back. Um, no love for Strange Days. Eh, yeah. Yeah. Well, right. Take it or leave it. But yeah, I don't know. Zero Dark Thirty, just a great film. And, uh, yeah, Zero Dark Thirty, loved it. All right. My number two is a film. It's a film. Good start. It's a film. <laughs> this is a shot, film podcast. Shot on film. And I'll I'll start off talking about it by saying Daniel Day who? Joaquin Phoenix, motherfuckers. He <laughs> is amazing in this film. He, it's the kind of performance that it's legendary. Of course, I'm talking about the master. Mm. Um, I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman is brilliant as always. But the it's a it, you you know it takes something when the real conversation isn't even about how brilliant Philip Seymour Hoffman is for once yeah. you know and I think the plot is sort of thin but it's beside the point because what you're really seeing a story of and I think you touched on this is just the relationship between these two men yeah. but I mean I'm fascinated with that I'm fascinated with the sort of attraction you feel towards people in a non-sexual way when you just there's somebody you kind of want to be in on their energy or you want to kind of yeah. benefit from 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 what they've got going on it's almost like some people you meet them and you just want to say. You're my life coach for the next couple. It's of basically months. every time we get together to record yeah, this well, podcast, yeah. right? No. kind of all. <laughs> I do look forward yeah, to these yeah. visits, but it, I, you know, there's something undefinable about about human interactions, and I thought I think this movie, with the historical backdrop and with all the things it has to say about uh, people that were kind of broken after World War II and trying to put themselves back together, it it also just it's it's there's something universal and timeless. I I liked it. it the story is kind of loose. Yeah. And like, it was like just a series. It's not of, a real story based movie. It's like a sense. story. A, a it's more of a character of scenes. Study. Like it's like a series of scenes that have them in it and they kind of meet at some point. Yeah. I like that. I, I think if it had more of a structure, it would have gotten away from what it is that these two represent to each other. Yeah. And, which is kind of like a, a, a ball a, of It's chaos. a weird bond. Yeah. It's a, it's a, Bond in a it's a ball of chaos because mm-hmm. whenever he comes around into Philip Seymour Hoffman's life, it's like a an atom bomb. Mm-hmm. Everything that he knows is gets altered in some way. And, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, who seems to enjoy having such control over people, yeah. he seems to really be fascinated with this guy who comes into his orbit and he he can't control him. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about this. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it ended up in our podcast about it, but that scene that crystallizes the whole movie is that scene. 
where uh, they're in the, they're in the holding cells in prison. They're in identical cells. Mm-hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman's in one cell, and Joaquin Phoenix is in the other cell. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is kind of trying to maintain his composure and trying to like he's you know he's like saying this is an outrage. He's got that kind of attitude. And and Joaquin Phoenix, uh, his character Freddie Quell, basically just trashes the cell that he's in and and destroys the commode and like injures himself in the process and is flailing yeah. around. And there's this shot that just kind of shows the two identical cells with these two men and how they act inside those cells Yeah, to me kind of symbolized the whole movie as far as like Lancaster Dodd knows that here's the life that you live in, but he's, he sort of believes you can kind of control your destiny. Yeah. And Freddie Quell's not even thinking about that shit. I think he's, he, you know what I mean? He's, yeah, he's yeah, almost it's, like it's an animal. Amazing. He's like an, I, I don't know. I thought that, I thought that scene was brilliant. And it I, was, I think that stuff is an illusion. I think yeah. a lot of the times like you, like people think that they're, they're so sophisticated and, and, and able to, manage this chaos it's a, a lot of chaos like yeah. and i had this theory that they were the same person at one time after i saw it like the first time um but i, I think you were that, watching fight club yeah there's something Spoiler. about there's something about the way that they handle the, the situations totally differently but kind of the same like when they when they're being the guy's being attacked mm-hmm. and the guy's trying to like Shut him up with words, and then fucking <laughs> Phoenix's like character just like throws a meatball yeah, at him or it's, something. It's, it's, it's that thing, <laughs> yeah. like it's that thing where like if Freddie Quell's like a dog or a wild man that you bring in that just, yeah. you like his antics, but yeah, yeah, it's something about that that feeling where like you you want to you want to resolve things in a in a very humane nice way, and then there's a part of you that's like punch this person in the face, yeah, and it's nice to see them kind of function <clears throat> right beside each other for with hour and a half two hours and it it was in insane i wish i could have mm-hmm. i don't know i thought it was great I, I, before we completely leave the subject i want to point out too i didn't mention it yet but amy adams also hits oh, the bullseye yeah. again yes, it's definitely. like I, I don't think she keeps every time she pops up in something there's it's a different shade it's a different it's a different facet and like in this movie you think you know in the first few scenes who she's playing and in a few brief moments she just you, you sort of see where the real power resides in that relationship. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, well, there it goes. That was number the last, one. the last number two, the last number two. Yes, that I'm brings good. us to the first number one mm-hmm. from yeah. Sir Ronald James. I, I, I ranted constantly about this movie. I, I said this is a fucking. Alter. Oh, did it touch your African American heart? It touched my. <laughs> Touch my African American. You talking about a movie that I, cry, I cried. By the way, I'm not a weird racist creep. Ronald actually said that <laughs> in a previous. I podcast. cried a lot during this movie, man. Like I cried, 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 cried because it reminded me of a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. And just seeing people in a state of, a state of despair like that, and just kind of making the best of it, and and seeing a girl kind of come out of this, a woman when she doesn't, she doesn't really. She can't be a woman. Why but she should has she to have be to be a woman? A woman you know yeah, I mean? why should she have to be? So it's rough. Beasts of the Southern Wild is. Well, she's not woman. a girl, but not yet a woman. Right. right. And seeing. Cue the song. Yeah. <laughs> that it took extreme, extreme measures for her to start having real dialogue with the person that she mm-hmm. loves, that raised her, is just. Uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild. I, I cried maybe five times during the movie. Like, ugh. The sniffling. It felt- I, yeah, I thought her relationship with the, I mean, the dad in particular, I thought was like, I don't know if that guy was an, an actor or just someone they found. He's but- just somebody they found. Oh, he was great. He was great. Did you hear about how they found him? Mm-mm. He like, 
he was he washed up on a shore. Functioning, he was just functioning in that area, and they needed a dad. And like as they were like doing the like casting, he was in the area as at the donut shop. Mm-hmm. Like he had a donut shop, and they were like, "Hey, um, he's like, hey, you filming something? I'd like to be a part of it." And they just let, like he used to buy like give the cast uh, donuts and stuff to people that they had casted because they were doing, doing like the initial like costume stuff and pre-production stuff, pre-production stuff and once he found time to be like in the audition mm-hmm. he he kind of blew it out of the water and, and and they were like we have to hire this guy he was he owned a donut shop in the area he was yeah he was great i thought the way that no no prior they tap like, into something so crazy about f- parenthood in general and i would say fatherhood specifically the way that at times i mean of course and there's some there's conditions in this in this movie that are depicted that are that are terrible living conditions. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's not pretend that like we can all necessarily at least not our present situations. None of us right. none of I us can relate. identify with that. I can't relate but to the that. way that the dad was at times like this brute and this violent kind of asshole, and but you you keep coming you keep getting clued into how he hasn't ever really forgotten what's best for her. I mean he's yeah. gone off on a limb. The movie does not try to make him into like this hero. But maybe as a parent, you don't get to be the hero. You get, you're the bad guy and the hero. You know, yeah. I thought that was really interesting the way they walked that line, and I found that as both a father and a son, uh, that it was it was very relatable the way that there were scenes where you sort of feared him and you were kind of angry with him, but but then there was no question that that you know he cared. And as the movie goes along, it becomes a lot about kind of her attachment to him, kind of representing her attachment to a way of life that may not be the best for her. I just thought that yeah, her character was was really interesting, and in, and in the choices she had, um, and the kind of semi magical aspect to some some parts of the adventure. I just thought it was yeah, it was a very unique movie. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing else like it. Great film. I was gonna I, one of the I had a note here. I didn't talk about it because it was at the bottom of mine. But um, there was a quote in the movie that Hush Puppy says that I wrote down. It said that um, everybody loses the thing that made them. It's even how it's supposed to be in nature. The brave men stay and watch it happen. They don't run. Mm-hmm. That that line yeah. in the movie just destroyed me. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't handle how fucking poetic that little girl yeah, was. There yeah. was I there were so down many like six lines or I something. I have like, yeah, yeah, I have a couple more of them here, and it's just like... Are they more than six? Because if not, I win. No, yeah, you definitely okay, beat me, good. dude. <laughs> Fuck, dude, you're always winning. That's all John Walker does is win. Um, but what yeah. I do is I try to set narrow terms, a simple game that only I know the rules, <laughs> and then I swoop in <laughs> and I win. They beat the shit out yeah. of everybody. I'm gone before anyone notices. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great, great yeah. pick, Ronald. Amazing film, yeah. and I, I hope it walks away with some... Hopefully. More acknowledgement at the Academy Awards. It's, it's a movie like this deserves acknowledgement, yeah, and man. I can't wait to see if it gets it. Um, John alluded to a little earlier. My number one movie of 2012, a uh, movie I've watched probably three times now, um, is Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, I respect that. You respect, respect that. Joe. I respect that. Yeah, thanks, bro. I respect that. Um, you know, I was fortunate to see an early screening of the movie, and I'll be honest with you, I had like no expectations going into it. I knew who was in it. Yeah. I know who made it. I knew that it was like a rom com, and that's all I knew. Yeah, it looked like a real mainstream absolutely step for for David O. Russell. Yeah, I'm like, you know, and I, and I had heard some decent things about it. Like, mm-hmm. what? This doesn't make sense to me. Like, where is it getting the acknowledgement? But then I saw it, and I was like, fucking wrong. And I was just blown away by, like John mentioned earlier, the entire cast performances. We have a film that uh, I think for the first time in like twenty some years at the Academy Awards has been nominated for all the major categories, all four major acting categories. Uh, screenplay, director, and best film. 
which is insane. And I think a what film, do you think the chances are of any of those um, I actors, think, especially? I think Jennifer Lawrence has a good shot. Um, do you see a sweep for this movie? No, I mean, do you see not it? at all. Not at all. Can't I, beat Lincoln. Can't. I, beat... I don't. I don't think in uh, the directing category or probably even film. I think its best shot of anything is maybe. Uh, maybe Jennifer Lawrence yeah. and I don't know wild shot maybe De Niro I yeah. don't know depends how many how much of the voters he's great love him he's, he's great he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's actually acting in he does movie. the best he's done in in a long time yeah. in my yeah. opinion he wasn't um, phoning it in which is really and like John said like you almost at a point you're like realizing maybe he is the fucking craziest person in this movie the shit that he's talking about yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah I don't know just a really great film it's it's got just the right tone like for 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 a romantic comedy that you know, kind of has that charm that everyone wants out of a movie like that, but not all of the super sweet crap, you know, like the, I don't know, like the, you know, it's like if it was sweet and low or sugar, this is like the stevia plant or something like that. It's like, it's like genuine and real. You know what I mean? It's just like, there's a lot of uh, really messed up people in this film and, and where they find closure and, and, and growth is, in the conversations that they have with one another or the silence that they have between one another. Mm-hmm. And um, Jennifer, Gar- Jennifer Lawrence, Jennifer Garner, Jennifer, the robot face, <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence and, and, and Bradley Cooper. Um, I don't know, man. They just, they just have such a eccentric personality in the film. They both, you know, in different ways. Um, the, Bradley Cooper just is so optimistic. Mm-hmm. You can't help but like, you just buy into it. Yeah, there were so many beats where I laughed at something he did that was really just a line reading. Yeah. yeah He's this guy who's yeah. so in the moment. And you find humor. And also David O. Russell being kind of a troubled guy, I feel like I feel like he definitely had the right sympathies for these characters to make a movie that doesn't sentimentalize them. Oh, sure. But definitely shows how hard, just how prickly they can be and how hard they can be to get along with. You know? And how quickly it can turn. Like, yeah. I think Jennifer Lawrence's character is more yeah. of that side of the spectrum. You know, just seeing how... Not, I wouldn't say sweet, just like how positive she gets at a moment, but then as soon as it turns, like how quickly she bites, you know right. what I mean? And I think it kind of throws Bradley Cooper off guard. I think that's kind of what I mentioned before. Like You're almost with her, and then she turns so hard that you're like, no, 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 no. He's, yeah, he's a good he, guy. He's trying yeah. to be nice to you. Yeah, Come right. On, back right, off for a second. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you didn't see what he did to that guy that, that, that his wife was sleeping with. He's actually <laughs> been pretty nice to you. you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, just, I, I definitely am a sucker for rom-coms, and... Mm-hmm. You know, definitely one of the better ones I've seen in, in a long time that isn't just the generic, like, big studio shit that, like you said, you know, uh, who, whoever's in there, Matthew McConaughey, yeah. whatever, yeah, was... uh, Kate Hudson, all these. Owen Wilson. From, yeah, yeah, any, any, take any of them. And some of them are funny, but I mean, there's so much more to this movie than just funny. And you are so committed to the characters, um, even if the ending of the film goes a little more conventional and how it kind of wraps up. Um I didn't bother me at all. Right, it's like it earned it. It, it did. That's exactly it, John. Yeah. It, it 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 goes through so much trouble to get to what we all want, right. and you see the travel that these characters have gone on together, and you just you're 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 okay with it because you want it, just yeah. like they right. want it. Yeah, you, you want, want it, it for them, just like his father. Tells you're like, if I don't see them kiss, I'm gonna be sad. I'm fucking pissed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck the silver linings, okay? Yeah. Right. But yeah, I mean, like the scene with Robert De Niro and Bradley Cooper um, after the dance competition. That scene just kind of sums up like these moments that happen mm-hmm. in your life where you cannot let them pass by. Yeah. Even after so many bad things have happened, you think you're so fucked up, you think you have so many problems, you think you know what's going to happen in your life if you do X, Y, and Z. Right. Well, this is what's happening, and you need to not let this pass by. Yeah. Yeah. And that 
I mean, hearing that, it, it just it makes me realize, yeah. like, shit, I need to find the silver linings. Yeah. Yeah. Excelsior, motherfucker. I need, I need, you know, I'm like, yeah. I need to go dance with my wife. I wanna, cool. Let's go dancing. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Like, I, I think that was... I think that was an interesting thing. Like, I guess the the conclusion that he came to at the end of the movie was a result of them pounding these weird facts into each other's heads at weird times. It was like tough love and hearing them talk to each other and say these weird things to each other. Well, they've got each other's number pretty much from the moment they meet. But then then you see that they don't really, they still have to kind of learn how to treat each other. They're feeling one another out. Like, you know, where's that line that I can't cross for? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about... Uh, you know, bipolar disorder, depression, you know, these are heavy subjects, but there is a light or, you know, you'd hope yeah. that there is a light for these people, you know, in mm-hmm. life in in real life, not just this movie, but this movie shows, you know, that to believe in that, I think, you know, and that it's like yeah. it's, it, it can happen. And sometimes you find them in the most unlikely place that you, yeah. you'd ever imagine. Yeah, I think it's for either of the broken. characters. Like love is weird and broken and, and like it has flaws to it. Like it's yeah. you, everybody isn't so nice and. Well, yeah, the, the, and, if, and to plus too, if the movie ends on kind of an up note, you still sort of feel like tomorrow is going to be just as difficult as today was for these characters. Yeah, yeah. but maybe they've found some. They found a way to get through it. Yeah, and it's going to be with one another, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you find the lovability, but beneath like a sur- the surface that looks really rough. Yeah, you know, there's calm beneath these waves. You know, and it's like let's mm-hmm. find that together. Just a fucking great movie. Yeah, and uh, definitely my number one movie of the year: Silver Linings Playbook. All right, cool. well, it's down to me. There it is. And my number one is controversial. Oh, God. It's scandalous. Oh, no, no. It's, um, it's, it's a movie that I was surprised to find myself continually putting up when I was doing the final kind of number crunching here. It was, I was surprised to see it keep ending up at the top of the list. I'll, I'll start off by comparing it to a moment in another film. <laughs> uh, there's a moment towards the end of Toy Story 3 <laughs> where all of our beloved characters, they've, they've gone through, they've, they've basically, like, they've saved the day, they've sort of beaten the bad guy, they haven't, but, you know, if you, we've seen Toy Story 3, right? You yes. know the moment where they're in yes. the incinerator? Yes. The moment where all of our beloved characters are... Ch- uh, and, where they're about to be burned where, off. Where they're all, and they know Toy it, Story 3. and they've accepted it. And they've grasped hands. They've grasped hands, they're holding hands, and they just kind of silently look at e- looking at at each other as though well, we accept death we know death is coming this is death nothing can save us from death here mm. comes death bring death. it bring it on death, death. death. we're dead death. oh wait no they get saved mm. well take away the saving and imagine a whole movie that occupies those three or four minutes or <laughs> those brief seconds where characters know they're going to die and they can't see any way out you did not let's start with a plane that crashes in the alaskan wilderness Yes. Let's yes. let's continue. These guys, most of them have not Fuck survived. Most of them have not survived. Oh my god. Most of them have not survived the plane crash. Oh, I want to hug a, you right but now. But a few of them did. And this ragtag bunch of characters have to then deal with wolves. Carnivorous wolves that are tracking them. I'm smiling down. so hard right now. This is not just a movie about people who die, Ronald. This is a movie about exactly what is terrifying and sad about dying and how alone you are in your death. I think if you get to a movie where they have a character that is actually shouting at the sky, whether it's God or the sky, he's sh- and you're you're shouting with him, you know you've been on a journey. I just <laughs> I found it so intense. Of course, I haven't said the name, but I'm talking about the Gray. Yeah, John, Joe Carnahan, Liam oh, Neeson is fantastic. Um, so happy. I, you know, I think oh. that people underrate him now because he did uh, release the Kraken and he did take Taken it and he did take in two. And people would see this and think, oh, it's him in action movie mode. But no, this is wounded, open hearted despair. I mean, I, there are moments in this movie that are so emotionally raw. 
Um, I mean, this movie is basically a nightmare. It, it goes from bad to worse to Absolutely. worse. You're not even hoping anybody's going to get out alive. It plays like a horror film, an adventure film. I, I was, I was, I was a fan of Carnahan's with with uh, with Narc, and I was sort of off the train. And, and but this movie is, we touched on it earlier. I felt like this when I saw Narc and loved it. This was the type of movie I pictured him making next, and I hope he makes. I hope he makes a hundred more. Would you believe that I was betting that it would make your top three? Really? Oh, Absolutely. No, no, I can when see I that. talked about it last time, I was telling you you had to see it before we did this. You episode. saw. You saw my. You saw me going like this. Sounds. Like yeah, it might I be did. Good. I saw like yeah. the little light bulb go off. Like, oh, really? Great, huh? And when you sent me earlier in the week, you're like, "This is a fucking horror movie." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is affecting him the same yeah. way it affected me, and yeah. I'm super happy that you loved it. There's as much a line. There's a scene where. Um, Liam Neeson says to somebody, uh, uh, "Talking tough don't mean shit out here." Yep. I, you know, that's what that kind of sums up the movie. And it's like this doesn't matter what you've said, whatever fronts you've put up, whatever you believe about yourself, what you think you can do, what you think you can't do. You're in this situation. Wolves are coming. Run. You know, like yeah. The and Dermot Mulroney, I thought was great, unrecognizable <laughs> yeah. and great. Like absolutely. And uh, uh, there's actor Dallas Roberts who's on Walking Dead now. He plays the kind of creepy doctor in Woodbury. He's he's got a really memorable turn in it. I uh, I believed these guys. It was the other thing that I thought was I knew was working about it for me was that you know a few minutes into it you knew who all the guys were. So often these movies, it's a bunch of guys in parkas with goggles and beards, and they've got snow all over them. You don't know who the fuck they are. Yeah. <laughs> Can't tell one guy from the other. But each one of these characters makes an impression in some brief way that like you know you know some deaths you feel more than others some people you you worry more about than others but it definitely like it just upped my investment and it really felt like it was it's very melodramatic it's very over the top in a sense of the kind of emotions that it shows but it's like an existential melodrama it's about the real everybody is going to die Mm. two and, scenes the plane yeah. scene yes plane the, the plane crash i'm not even i'm not even afraid to fly and that scene where you see him and he's in there and he's got the oxygen mask on and then suddenly the background behind him changes from the the fuselage of the plane to just wilderness uh, to me i was like oh yeah that's the thing you're whenever i get on a plane that's the thing i'm trying to forget about <laughs> that we are hurtling over the right. most treacherous terrain and uh, scariest places to be in the world planes. yeah no and how do you feel about the the ending like the ending ending like after the credits Oh, there was an ending ending after the credits? Oh. Wait, I think, wait, I think it, you saw, right? Yeah. No, I didn't see anything after the credits. Wait, wait. What's the last scene that you saw? Um, The trailer. The, the 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 money shot from the trailer. I'll say. Oh my God, John! You oh, haven't shit. seen there's the fucking more. ending of is, the movie. Is gonna, there's something after the credits. Yes. Uh, Fuck. Am I gonna like it as much? What if I don't like I, it now? I did. I, okay. No, I loved what you're referencing. Everybody saw in the in the trailer. And I kept I kept trying to push this movie lower on the list because it just didn't seem like it should be my favorite movie of the year. But as far as thought provoking, as far as sticks with you, mm. I mean, I I can't think of another movie that that hit me in the gut so many different ways. As this movie, great. And unfortunately, when I saw it with all my friends, like nobody else liked it, which really fucked me up. Because like, why did I like this movie so much? Mm-hmm. And it was so early in the year. I'm like, I'm never gonna think about this again. And then, like you said, as I was thinking about it, I saw, it, I watched it again like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Like that's why I loved it. Yeah, it popped know? up on a couple of such lists. a great genre film, and just oh, so so great. I haven't seen it. And maybe too, he's mentioned it as a genre film. I think that's something that I did. I was rating very highly on this was that it's a movie that did something very specific extremely well. Absolutely. So many of the movies that I that I didn't we didn't even really talk about that much are movies that you know were excellent. But sometimes if a movie just doesn't get its teeth in you, no no pun intended in this case, but like if some some movies their greatness just kind of washes washes over you and you go, "Oh, that was great." But this was one that I was, you know, it was visceral and scary and 
like you, I, I would be, I, I feel like I would be one of the people that died in the initial crash. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Tough stuff. Really good. All right. So we got Beast of Southern Wild. Mm. Yeah. Silver Linings and the Gray. And the Gray. You have dr- drama, mm-hmm. rom com, horror, action, suspense. Yeah. Thriller. Whatever you call that. Dude, whatever yeah. you need, we got yeah. you covered. Yeah. Some man. great films this year. We talked about so many tonight. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners that have called in and left the voicemails. I think we'll do something like that in the future. I really like the idea of getting more listeners. Maybe next time we show. do like a, a topic driven show, we yeah. will kind of do it that way. Yeah. yeah just kind of like get some feedback instead of just saying email or whatever. I mean, the Google voice line is really easy and it's, yeah. it's really easy to integrate into our podcast and it'd be cool to hear your voice as opposed to just reading it off paper. Yeah. In fact, behalf. just in any thoughts, any movie, like yeah, any suggestions you have or anything, what's the number again? It's four, four, three, 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 zero, two, four, six, two. We'll just keep that open. If you guys have anything to share, feel yeah. free to hit that lineup. Yeah. Um, and we'll try to get you included in the podcast as much as possible. It'd be cool to have more people involved, um, especially our listeners. And a, a special thank you goes out to our, our, our listener in England. I think mm-hmm. that's fucking incredible. Yes. Yeah. I got an email from him this morning uh, from John, and I said, hey, man, we've got this thing going where you can call in. It's awesome that you listen to us. Try to get a hold of the voicemail before our, our cutoff, before we do the episode. And he made it happen. That's awesome. It's awesome, dude. We awesome. are literally, somebody actually took time to listen to us over there. That's very That's nice. Thanks. And, Thanks. and you were, he's not like a friend of a friend or somebody's no, man. cousin he, or something? Nobody like knows him. I think, I think maybe nobody knows him over there too. I don't know. You hear that? <laughs> You're our foot in the door in Europe. <laughs> yeah. So, so make it happen, John. Yeah. Maybe. Just do what you can. Uh, Tell people, John. But please. yeah, thank you guys so much for sending in all your picks. So many great movies. This was a really hard year to make a list. I know Ronald is very stressed out. He's like, He's drenched in sweat right now. Damn. Thankfully, he brought a change of clothes. Damn. But not a change of shorts, unfortunately. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just a great year for film. I can't wait to see the Academy Awards. I'm a sucker for the awards. Not, I know you're not so much, John, but... I'm, I'm a sucker. I, 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 like, I like seeing the acknowledgement, Word. especially for films like Beasts. I'd love yeah. to see that acknowledged in some way. No, there's a few people nominated that I would be excited to see win. So in that sure. case, I'm always, like I said, I'm always, you know, always, always going to at least try to tune in, even though sometimes the four-hour broadcast or whatever is a little... What does everybody think of uh, Seth MacFarlane as as host? I'm anxious to see it. I mean, I'm yeah. not. I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of his. Like, I don't. I'm not a huge. Yeah, nobody like, mentioned Ted tonight. <laughs> oh no, I read yeah. last night that uh, Seth's a turd. That was Mark that... Wahlberg is presenting with with Ted, oh with Ted that's, with the that's bear. Funny. So yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. So on a brighter note, thank yeah. you guys again so much. Movieshmovie.net. You can hit us up on the Facebook page, uh, Movieshmovie at gmail.com. Now you know the Google voice line. Four four three 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 zero two four six two. John, wow! I only have to hear a number three or four times, and then I remember it. <laughs> I have to hear. I just forgot it. Fifty six. Oh shit! Times. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Ronald doesn't remember shit. I don't remember shit. Doesn't know where he is right now. I'm a blank slate, sir. Uh, but be sure to check out the next episode. Uh, episode, we're hitting another zero on the next one. Yeah, number I know. 60. Damn um, it, man. We're moving we're, up. If, if, if we're going to hold to our, our promise to get Keith David on the podcast for episode 100, we need to really we make We need to get our ass in <laughs> So if anybody knows Keith David. We can do it. Maybe he has some ties to England. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe he's got people in England. That, you know, <laughs> let's get this going. we got to make this work. Okay. Thank you guys so much. I know it's the eighth time I said that, but it's a blast recording these podcasts with, with Ronald and John, and we want to keep doing it, so... It's kind of part of the of the equation is you guys listening and participating like you did with this episode. So yeah. it's amazing. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you to 2012 for some really fucking great movies. Yeah. yeah. And uh, until next time, uh, I'm Steve, Ronald, John. Yep. And uh, as always, you've made our day. You have. Uh, that part's true. So, some may even say you made our year. Yeah. 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 This whole year. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>